Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, December 4th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say, Hotcha. Mr. Bob Ryer. Happy Thanksgiving. We're past Thanksgiving now. We're already, um, we're I'm in a food coma. We're, we're already on to Happy Holidays, <laughs> Merry Christmas, Christmas stuff. Okay. Um, and uh, filling in for Stephanie Cook, who is still out on the road, Mr. Joey Bertrino. Joey, thank you so much. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas stuff. Yeah, that's what that's what it is. It's I, it, it, this late Thanksgiving totally threw me off because we went right from being oh it's Thanksgiving to now we have to worry about Christmas, which is yeah. like three weeks away. Mm. Oh, yeah, and Black Friday started on Thanksgiving, so yeah, well, I think Black Friday started on Monday before Thanksgiving at this <laughs> point. But uh, yeah, and Hanukkah started the night of Thanksgiving. The first night of Hanukkah was mm-hmm. the first time yeah, since my, uh, 1880 something. Yeah. my free yeah. Marvel calendar is wrong. They said that. Uh, it started on the 27th of this <laughs> month, and I was like, oh, Marvel. <laughs> um, yeah, so all that's, that's it's happened. All these holiday things are happening uh, right now. Um, so uh, we had a good Thanksgiving. I had a good Thanksgiving. I don't know if we had a good Thanksgiving, but my Thanksgiving was <laughs> <Yeah>. very nice. <laughs> uh, my brother and grandfather were here, so that, that was really, really cool. Um, Steve, how did, how did your, uh, your foodless Thanksgiving go? <laughs> I my my past weekend was was amazing. My my Thanksgiving was good. It was uh it was loud. Mm-hmm. It was very loud. I have a uh a relative of my brother-in-law who came to join us this year and she's got one of those very like Italian raspy yelling voices. She can't talk <laughs> at a normal volume. Everything. Oh, come and sit near me. Come on. Join said I'd pull up a chair. How you doing? How you guys your girlfriend? What are you what are you guys doing? And anyway, um so the conversation was fun, but I spent most of the night trying to hide in different rooms and then going to the bathroom pretending to use the bathroom so I could play Zelda. <laughs> so I had one plate of food and survived, mm-hmm. and then uh, the following morning, uh, or afternoon rather, I picked up my girlfriend and had an amazing four days uh, post-Thanksgiving. So my Thanksgiving was, it rocked. Awesome. It was awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. It's great. What about you, Bob? How was your Thanksgiving? It's amazing how much food you can cook while drinking mimosas, is all <laughs> I'm going to say. <laughs> how was the uh, movie screening? Well, went very well. Everyone's yeah. very happy and... <laughs> What, but what happened to the zombies? Well, what's going Ah, see, that's a... The person who gets the most comment out of, out of all beyond your directing, mm. it's Jay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Who is, star, is the star of our movie, and mm-hmm. in this case, the... Uh, no, spoilers. He, he's somebody spoilers you got to pay... For the, our... Our movie. Our I'm, private I'm Halloween worried movie. about it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> he's an antagonist. Mm-hmm. He's someone to yeah. watch out for, and... Mm-hmm. Just really nails it, except when you tried to interview him candidly, and he clammed up completely. Yeah, it's really funny. So we, uh, if the guys haven't 
if you guys didn't watch it when we put it up, we, we I do we do a Halloween movie every year, and um, w- this year it was a, a found footage movie, and we did these interviews with, with the people as if you know as interviewing the, the cast of the movie we were making, um, and we're just playing ourselves, right? So yeah. we just had to be ourselves, and this guy Jay will do insane things on camera. Like he, um, you know, he jerked off with a pizza pizza. He like, Oh my. Yeah. yeah. He, he like had sex with a fondue pot. He dove <laughs> into a freezing cold swimming pool in a hot dog costume. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I, I sat down to interview him as himself, asking him why he liked making these movies. And he could not answer me with any sort of, <laughs> any real answer. He, I was like, well, so J- also the thing about Jay is that Jay is one of the most like energetic, positive people you'll ever meet in your entire life he's kind of like how you doing this is awesome like that's like jay's personality almost almost universally i sit down with him for this interview and i go so what do you like about doing the movies and he goes yeah they're fun i'm like what the hell are you doing like just just talk to me like you're jay talking to bobby don't don't he's like i'm really nervous I'm like, you're nervous this is the easy thing you've ever had to do in a movie that i've made with you uh so it was funny for that to yeah. happen um yeah. but it it, it You've got a lot of new fans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, we'll how was your to... uh, Thanksgiving, Joey? Oh, it was great. Um, went into Chinatown to have Thanksgiving because my grandmother lives. Oh, nice. Um, which was nice. Living uh, kind of uh, in Jersey City, I probably should get over there more often because it's like right across the river. Uh, but I'm a terrible grandson, so I don't. <laughs> uh, but but uh, went up there with family and and. Um, I mean, it sounds terrible to say, but my mother decided to to get essentially all of Thanksgiving dinner from Whole Foods. Nice, like the turkey and like all Smart. the the, the accoutrements, <laughs> as it were. And I was like, "Ma, this is terrible. Why would Ooh. you do this?" Uh, but it actually tasted very, very good. So <laughs> I don't know what they're doing over there at Whole Foods, but uh, uh, they did a very nice job with all of it. So it was nice. It was nice seeing everybody. Um, same family and everything. Once you're into real life, you don't you don't get to have those moments uh, uh, that often. And it was nice being back. Nice, that's mm-hmm. awesome, awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of Zelda, I talked about it last week. I beat it. Steve is obviously still in, in the throes of the new Zelda. I can't find my way to the second dungeon. The second dungeon? <laughs> yeah. Have you like gotten to the overworld stuff yet? Like the dark world stuff? I yet? went underneath the waterfall. Okay, and I got the <laughs> moaning, crazy. Yeah, yeah, I got. Yeah. I gave her back her little, uh, little stone, smooth stone mm-hmm. that she needs. Yeah, and uh, and then after that, I grant I haven't had much time with mm-hmm. it, but I walked around for a while, and I have two X's on my map. And I can't find the way into those areas, either one of them. <laughs> so, all right. Are you going to tell me? How to I get don't there? remember. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was so long ago. That was a whole week and a half I'll ago. I'll figure it out. I was too busy. I went to the movies, mm-hmm. so I didn't get to I didn't get to play a whole lot. Oh, yeah. You saw Frozen, right? I did. Mm-hmm. And? I did. Oh, was it great? It was wonderful. It was wonderful. Honestly, um, really? yes, yes. Uh, the, third, the third act, the movie takes a lot of turns that you would not expect. I'll just say that. Like, mm-hmm. Disney... I, I research Disney movies. I write about them a lot, and there's a lot of reoccurring themes that you gotta you gotta find new ways to write about them. But anyway, Disney's been doing things kind of the same way for a really long time since like 1937 right. with Snow White. It's always been the prince comes to rescue the princess. True love's kiss will cure all. Blah blah blah. Um, 
Frozen looks like it's going to go in that direction and then takes a left turn at Albuquerque and surprises you in many ways before it's over. And in my estimation, if they can move forward from here with examples that were made in Frozen, especially towards the later end of it, they could really start to make some powerful movies uh, specifically for their uh, female audience. They need more movies like it. Um, to be honest, it was great. The music was wonderful. One song in particular was uh, one of the best Disney songs I've ever heard. Mm. And it was the woman, I can't remember her name, but the woman who was in Wicked on Broadway. Uh, Indita Menzel? I think so, yeah. She she played the witch. She was nice. um, uh, Elsa, Ar- Ursula or Ilsa. Mm. Uh, the one with the the frosty powers mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> she she has a she has an episode and basically goes up into the mountains and builds herself a ice fortress. Mm-hmm. As she's doing it, she's singing this song, and it's a it's a total metaphor for a woman's coming of age kind of thing. Like it marks a spot in her life where she sheds all this doubt and just decides to be herself and indulge these powers and learn how to use them. And it was very freeing to see. And uh, the movie sends a really great message. The music is great. It's funny. A lot funnier. The sidekicks were great. Anyway, I'm going on and on about the movie. Um, I definitely recommend that anyone that enjoys uh, either Disney films, this is definitely one of the best Disney films, probably since the 90s. Since Mulan, maybe. Mm. So (laughs) go go and see it. Go and see it. It's it's awesome. Um, But... I won't get into it. I did not like the short beforehand. You know how they like the Disney yeah. movies always have the shorts? Yeah. Did not like it. It made me feel dirty. Really? Um, and I'll tell you, actually, I, no, I will bring this up because we talk, we talk a lot about, uh, we just spoke to Trina Robbins and we're talking about treatment of women in comics mm-hmm. and treatment of women in general throughout history. The short film before Frozen was a classic like steamboat or locomotive Mickey Mouse uh, cartoon. Okay, the early ones. Yeah. Right. Yeah. With like the squiggly arms and the totally black mm-hmm. and white Peg Lake Pete and Minnie Mouse and the cow. Do you know the cow's name? I don't remember. No, I don't All right. So there's a cow in it. I'd like to say Elsie, but that's the other cow. Um, so it's them and they're, you know, Pete shows up, Minnie gets in trouble and it's one of these things where they it starts off in 2D and it's black and white and all of a sudden they end up like ripping through the screen totally taking advantage of the 3D and so the characters become 3D and they're racing in and out of the 2D 3D kind of cool. screen however Minnie Mouse is completely and totally screaming her head off the entire time and does absolutely nothing 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 at all Oops. to save herself and it's totally Mickey and friend rescuing her at every turn and taking care of everything for her. It was weird to see something like that and then go into Frozen sure. and see something completely liberating when, meanwhile, right before the movie started, I felt kind of like like I was watching something really archaic. And even though it was supposed to be something old and something new mixed together and like whoop de doo and it left me feeling really unhinged when it was over. Do you, do you think it was intentional maybe? That's what I was asking my girlfriend and we never we never reached a conclusion. Um I would like to think so. Executed. Yeah, I don't know. No, I mean some people might really enjoy it. I kind of took it in a different light from where we're coming from with all this stuff, but as far as Frozen goes, go see it. It's wonderful. Um it's one of the best Disney movies in a long long time. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, it's gotten really really good praise and I'm excited. 
uh, to check that out. You'll definitely. love it. Yeah. Love it. We're also going to be doing uh, a big Infinity uh, spoiler uh, section, but that will be at the end of the show um, after the, the, the final theme like we usually do for these kind of big storylines. So you can listen to the whole show and uh, not getting spoiled on that storyline at all. And if you want to hear, you can obviously keep listening uh, at the end. Uh, we will talk about general impressions, you know, during the regular section, just so you guys know how, how we felt about it. But no, we won't get into any kind of specific spoiler stuff uh, in, until that point. Um, it's been a really slow week uh, as far as news goes. Um, we've got some stuff that, that leaked out. Um, we actually have a couple of listener questions, I think, about um, those things. Uh, but one of the things that... Marvel has obviously continually been um, showing off these uh, these teasers, and they did a new uh, new one this past week, uh, which was Future, which was uh, Nick Latour and uh, Mahmoud Asrar, uh, and that was revealed to, to be uh, the new uh, Wolverine and the X Men. They're taking over Wolverine and the X Men when Jason Aaron leaves, and restarting it uh, with a number one issue. Um, uh, Joey, I know that you are a you're a big fan of Wolverine the X Men, and you're also a pretty big fan of Nick Latour because he did the Winter Soldier uh, yeah. stuff. Um, Jason Latour, sorry, not, not Nick yeah. Latour, Jason Latour, sorry. Um, are are you interested in, in this restarting of Wolverine the X Men? Yeah, I was I was bummed when they when they announced that Jason Aaron's was ending. Um, I kind of saw it coming once Amazing X Men was released and I was actually surprised that they weren't either continuing it or relaunching it. And then this, this teaser came out. I really liked Jason Latour and Nick Klein, who was doing the artwork, uh, their work on winter soldier. I really liked those couple of issues that they did. Um, and following up Ed Brubaker, there was, was, a, was a tough act to follow. And, and Jason Aaron's a tough act to follow as well. Yeah. I'm excited for it. I think as long as he holds on to the, the premise, which I think the, the future teaser kind of does, does promise a little bit, focusing on the students, focusing on the school. Um, I'm all for it. Um, I'm kind of worried. I was kind of worried ending Wolverine and the X-Men, Jason Aaron's, um, that we'd be moving away from the Jean Grey school and moving away from, from those kids. But, but if they're going to keep that series going or at least relaunch with the number one, I think, I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, the purple and yellow of the teaser two lent itself to, um, Quentin to me a lot, I, I would yeah. think, because that isn't Quentin's purple is kind of an overriding color. Uh, with him in, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I loved. I haven't really been reading uh, Wolverine the X Men, but I did love uh, Jason Latour's work on the Winter Soldier. So I think it's a uh, a cool team to put out. And the artwork, uh, um, the artist was the original artist on the New Fifty Two Supergirl book. Um, and I think for most of the run, actually, he's been the artist over there. I think not until recently has the art changed. Um, and the art on those early Supergirl th- books are mm. is fantastic. Yes, it it, it's great. It's beautiful art. Mm. So I am definitely excited about checking this book out. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I love uh, Asrod's work on Supergirl. When that started off, that was just really, really sleek, mm-hmm. amazing stuff. Uh, yeah, I love Wolverine and the X Men. It's been hilarious mm. every issue. It's just been a lot of fun. There have been a few dips. Uh, the circus arc was a little weak. I'm <laughs> no, um, overall, the book has been a, a, a just a really, really, really uh, fun ride. And I am kind of surprised. I'm not surprised that they're uh, leaving it because once Amazing X-Men started up, I had assumed that that was taking the place mm-hmm. of Wolverine and yes. the X-Men. And Wolverine and the X-Men was one of those books that for the longest time, every time I turned around, there was another one. Rob was throwing another one onto yeah. my stack. Mm-hmm. Wolverine and the X-Men. Wolverine, and I'm like, what the hell? It's bi-weekly. Yeah. But there were times when it seemed like it was weekly. Mm-hmm. 
And then recently, in the last two and a half months or so, it seemed to not be so weekly or bi-weekly, and it kind of came out sporadically, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden, it's ending. Um, if your hypothesis or if Quentin has anything to do with the newer one, I I haven't seen the, the future teaser or anything, but I do... I. Love the artist from the team. I have not read uh, Jason Latour's uh, Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. But if you guys vouch for him, then I would be most curious to check it out. I hope that he I hope that he keeps the humor, and mm-hmm. I hope that... That would be my question, if he does, because his work on Winter Soldier is pretty, pretty dark. Yeah. And uh, the other things that he's done mm-hmm. at Dark Horse and everything, well, he did like a couple of things for Scalped. I don't know what he did, but... Uh, so it's a little intense. So I'm wondering if if there is a, a humorous bent to his writing. I don't know. I haven't read too much of it. I mean, I would prefer to keep the humor because I think that we we need an X book that's like that on the on the stands. If he decides to take it another direction that's still compelling and interesting, then I'll you know I'll definitely I'm checking it out one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the title and a you know a creator change is not going to take me off of it. Right. Just yet. If they're staying in the school, we're going to continue to explore some of the students' lives. If Quentin Quire, he's one of my favorite characters from the past two years. If he's sticking around, he's undergone a lot of changes uh, in Wolverine and the X-Men and Jason uh, Aaron's run. And he could wind up being uh, a teacher himself. He's older than most of the students. Mm-hmm. He knows a whole bunch of stuff. And huh. in recent events, he's earned the respect of a lot of people that thought that he was nothing more than just a punk and a problem. Right. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I want to see I want to see where it goes. If they, they could rebrand it at a number one, I don't care. I have 42 issues of Jason Aaron on that book. Let's, you know, bring in someone else and see what they can do with it. Yeah. And mm. I mean, and to be fair to Jason Latour about uh, the whole thing is that Jason Aaron I think before he started doing Wolverine the X-Men, he was known, uh, he created Scalped. So, you know, right. he, he is known for being very serious, very, very intense writer. And the humor in Wolverine the X-Men, I, I think, I, I think that, I, I feel like if that's the bend they're going from this book and you look at like the cover image they showed out, it seems like it's going to keep that going. Yeah, it'll, it'll probably be there. Yeah. And yeah. Um, another thing to note is, I mean, Jason Aaron also writes Thor. Yeah. Which is dark right. as shit. Yeah, yeah. So you know, God slayers and mm. and you know, mass uh, genocides and stuff yeah. like that. It's <laughs> God bombs. I mean, it's it's some pretty intense, dark, twisted stuff. Yeah. There's nothing to say that you know maybe they have maybe he got it out of his system mm-hmm. with one title and wants to kind of lighten it up a little bit, or it's just going to give us the school in a different light. I don't know. Yeah. Let's you know who knows. Yeah. I'm down. <laughs> um dupe is still around yeah yeah that's true or dupe, he can come to my awesome. house and take care of my odds and ends <laughs> dupe is awesome um in the on the dc side of things we we nothing is i don't think it's been confirmed yet but there ha, there's a lot of chatter about there's going to be um a set of low budget or mid-budget uh superhero movies uh done by warner brothers in dc with some of their lesser known property so suicide squad uh team seven deathstroke uh and booster gold are i believe the the ideas that have been floated out um and that they would be kind of 20 million to 50 million dollar uh films uh based a- around uh these characters um uh bob what do you think about this idea 
just as we talked about the Marvel Netflix deal, mm. having these lesser characters find a way to the marketplace, you never know what catches someone's attention. Mm-hmm. So try it. You can tell a different sort of story without the expectations of having to make $300 million back just to break even. Right, yeah. It can be released in non-traditional formats. It can be live streamed or whatever and, and, or released direct to video at the same time without having all the rest of this hanging over their heads, budget-busting. Mm-hmm. I mean, Superman Returns, it wasn't their fault. They still were lead, yeah. leading with uh, Tim Burton's budget. Yeah, absolutely. But that movie lost hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with a Suicide Squad, who knows who you can put in it? In essence, every one of their characters is good to go. I don't know, are they focusing on any one particular group of them? Um, the probably. Recent? I'm going to guess it's probably more of the more recent okay. uh, incarnations, but I'm sure that you're going to see Deadshot because Deadshot is a is a frequent <laughs> member of that of that <laughs> team. They, they is he on Arrow right now? He is on Arrow. Is he okay. in the Suicide Squad? Uh, he has been ben, before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it rotates out. It's like the what's the Marvel one? The Defenders. The, not the Defenders. The uh, the bad guys who. Oh, Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, it cycles yeah, out. You yeah. know, you can kind of do whatever you, you want to do. Um, Deathstroke is in it sometimes. Harley Quinn, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, add it, add it, add it. Steve, what do you think about this? <laughs> I was going to say, they better not blow their load on uh, King Shark. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, my God, that would be amazing. The effects yeah. budget. If King Shark was in it, that would be amazing. <laughs> Rawr. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a shark. Um, no, I, that, no, it sounds cool. I, I like the idea that they're, I mean, it's this is this is new news, right? Yeah, so this, so it's this, not even really news yet. I mean, it's still a rumor, but right. Yeah, but it's it's coming off the heels of Marvel announcing their stuff mm-hmm. on Netflix. Yeah, so it's interesting to see this kind of uh, tit for tat mm-hmm. going on between the big two mm-hmm. in the smaller media movie verse kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, if it, if it gets Harley Quinn and and Deathstroke and and stuff mm-hmm. onto I, I screen at all, mm-hmm. you know. And they it doesn't have to be made with a whole lot of money. You just no. need to make a good movie. No, I mean stuff like Suicide Squad definitely doesn't because it doesn't deal with end of the world big scenarios. It deals yeah. with a team going in and, and taking down a certain target. I just watched uh, just last night. I watched The Losers uh, mm-hmm. again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why can't you just have a quirky, fun? I mean, it could be a little bit dark if you wanted to. You put a throat in Gotham. Well, Suicide or Squad is not going to be quirky and fun. It's going to be dark. Ah, come Bo- on. Booster Gold will. Booster Gold. Yeah, Booster Gold is like the outlier. Booster, it'll be fun. Yeah. yeah, it's a weird. He's the weird outlier in that team. Yeah. Because Deathstroke, Team Seven, and Suicide Squad. Those are all intense. Those are bad right. guys doing bad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Right. The, so let me ask you this: Are yeah. you are you ready for Barry Allen to enter? He enters Arrow this week. I know I am excited about it. They they said their their initial plan was he was going to be the Flash by mm-hmm. the end or have his powers by the end of this season. They've scrapped that now. He's going to be in the episodes, but he's not going to get his powers until they're going to give him a real pilot and like uh. a real like he's going to become the Flash in the first episode of what the, their show that they, they they do with him. Yeah, I mean, listen, the guy's good. I'm excited for it. it that's it's. I, I I think that what they've got going on on the TV side of things, and look, I'm far behind on Arrow, but the kind of I I felt just you know tangentially looking at Twitter and on Facebook and the internet reaction, the 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 change and shift in uh, the reception to that show dramatically since since the first time it, it aired. I'm a product of that, right? No, exactly. I'm all caught up. I really yeah. enjoy it now. People are like, oh, thank God, Arrow's on tonight. You know, so like that. So and I, that's good. You know, that's a good thing. And introducing all these characters, they've already you know there's this rumor now that Solomon Grundy is going to be coming into 
into Arrow. He's Sweet. he's finally gonna be wearing his mask pretty soon. You know, they're they're developing stuff. They're introducing people. They're moving forward with a lot of stuff. And, and I think that introducing Barry Allen to a successful show, I, I think if that actor is is good, you know, I've only he's was like in three episodes of Glee. <laughs> um, oh. mm-hmm. And he was good on that show. He was a dick on that show. So I don't know what they're, you know, obviously that I, I've seen the the promos. That that's not what they're doing with Barry Allen, obviously. But um, I don't know what he can do as far as that role goes. But I think if he's good and they can and they can expand that universe, I think they've got good things going with, with the TV side of things uh, right there. Um, and I think that bringing in these smaller characters, as you guys said, is is a really really smart move because you can't. You can't make a hundred million dollar Suicide Squad movie. You have to make a twenty to forty million dollar one, so that look the people who go see kind of like those kind of action movies will see it anyway. And then you're you're gonna make back if you make sixty seventy million dollars, then you're a success. You know you don't have to make you don't have these things where it's like oh if it doesn't make eight hundred million dollars worldwide, we're not gonna make our money back. You know this that's not the, one of those kind of deals. And I I think that you can use those things to springboard characters into bigger movies. And there's nothing to say that. If they make a Suicide Squad movie for $40 million, that if the movie is liked, that they can't bring them back in the Justice League movie as villains or as, sure. you know, as a counterpoint to what, what's going on there. Uh, and I think that's a really, really smart thing. Joey, what do you think about this? I think it's, it's, I think it's a great plan, too. And I think the irony is that uh, a couple of years ago, when Marvel Studios was getting off the ground. They said that you know they were doing the same sort of thing, $20, $40 million versions of Iron Fist and Luke Cage and, mm. and, and Jessica Jones and all. I don't know Jessica Jones, but Namor, right? Mm, yeah. So I'm wondering if maybe down the line what Warner Brothers does is similar to what Marvel ended up doing with their quote-unquote 20 or 40 million dollar movies and, and doing kind of what bob said and finding alternative modes of distribution whether it's netflix or or the internet or something because um those smaller characters are great and they do have a following and, and there are some great stories there um i think the budget is an issue and i also just think that the distribution model is also something to take into account too which i think is what marvel did with the netflix thing yeah, and I think I think I think Marvel definitely probably had those plans to make those movies, and then just said it doesn't make sense for us because we have okay. we're making too many movies. We're making so many movies now. We're making two movies a year. We we don't have the budget or the place to slot these movies in. We're not going to release one of our movies, you know, and let it die in February. Right. So right. W- we need to put it somewhere that it can have the freedom to be what it needs to be. We can spend the money we need to spend on it, and we can make get, cut a good deal. And Netflix is the perfect partner for them because Netflix is on the rise, but they continually want to prove to people that they are the new HBO. That's what they want to be. So they, they are willing to shell out money to people to go, here, here's all this money. We want your show. And, and you have no restrictions. You have no, uh, you know, there's no, we're not going to tell you what to do. And you can release it like a movie. People can watch it all at one time. You don't, we don't have to come up with you know, an advertising model and all this other stuff. And I, I think that um, it was perfect for them. You know, Warner Brothers doesn't have the, the well, Warner Brothers has it, but DC Entertainment doesn't have the machine down yet. As far as we're always in production in our movies, here they come, here they come, here they come. They're focusing on the the Batman Superman movie, which looks like it's going to be pouring the kitchen sink into at this point. If, right. If, if you're true to believe all the rumors that continue to circulate and continue to build, yeah, who isn't in this movie? Exactly. At this point is easier to talk about. Um, which look, if that works for them, that's great. I mean, they have to find that they're finding some way to catch up. But if they're going to focus all their might on that one movie, uh, they have a lot of space to to put out other films. Um, and Warner Brothers is 
a great studio that's great at releasing uh, releasing movies and getting behind movies and promoting movies. So you know if if they can make a movie, if they can make you know the 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 latest like mediocre like Mark Wahlberg movie that he does when he's not you know doing the big time stuff mm-hmm. you know the uh, make sixty million dollars they can certainly make a movie with somebody that people recognize like Harley Quinn make that much money so I, right. I think it's a, I think it's a very smart thing uh, for them to do and listen I think that the uh, the the Goyer milieu works a lot better. With with stuff like Suicide Squad and Deathstroke Absolutely. and Team Great Seven, yeah. you know, I I think that, and I think that he's better with those characters anyway. You know, he seems to work better in in, in the shadows. You know, um, and I think that I don't think he's writing these, but he's definitely remembers he's overseeing them, and I think that that would really you know work well uh, for him. You know, the Booster Gold thing. Who knows what's gonna happen with that? Because they've been talking about doing that as a show for years. That was supposed to be like a Sci-Fi Channel show mm-hmm. and all the other stuff, and just never got off the ground. So. I don't know what they're going to do with him, but you know we'd, we'll have to see what what, what happens there. Um, what happened to Justice League Dark? Something? It's still they're still, still he's still talking about you know they're they're writing it, they're working on it. There's no kind of timetable on it, but um, he has said I think recently that um, he's had discussions with DC and that it's you know the the universe is there and they're they're ready to kind of pull the trigger once they have everything in place. So hmm. um, I don't think they want that movie to beat Justice League to a theater, do they? No, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Or at least not Batman or oh, Superman. But I mean, <laughs> this is what Kumatsu Charo does, though. He talks about movies that he's going to make well before they ever ever get made. He's still waiting he's for the Mountains the of Madness. Yeah, the Hulk that, show. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. The Hulk yeah. show. <laughs> that was going to happen. Yeah, that was. And then there was like a Haunted Mansion movie that he kept talking about and all, and all this other stuff. Um, so who knows what, what, what's going to happen uh, with him there. Um, speaking of the, the CW TV stuff, um, there was a rumor over the weekend that they are looking to make Young Justice into a television show uh, for the CW, uh, and you know, they're uh, the, the kind of um, the the logline on it got a lot of people upset because um, it's you know they they called it a live action teen drama romance series with a superhero twist based on the Young Justice cartoon games and comics being prepped for 2015. Um, and with Superboy and Miss Martian as the lead uh, of the team. Um, okay. So uh, people, obviously, they they get upset when they hear teen drama because they think, you know, they're looking at, like, Gossip Girl, but <laughs> with superheroes in it. Um, uh, however, I mean, if if they're basing it on, on the cartoons, there was plenty of angst and teen drama in the, in the cartoon, um, especially between those two characters we just mentioned. Uh, I know, Steve, you and I are both huge fans uh, uh, of that cartoon. Uh, what do you think about a live-action Young Justice show? <laughs> I, I have that song stuck in my head now, that do-do-do-do-do. What is that? Oh, walking my way downtown, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. What song is that? Um, oh, you mean like the oh the thousand years or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, it's all I can hear Vanessa right Carlton? now. Vanessa Carlton. Yeah. that's right. Yeah. I can't even hear myself think because that, <laughs> that shit is in my head. What do I think? Uh, oh God, I. Uh, well, you've been liking Arrow. I do. Yeah, I do like Arrow, but what I don't like about Arrow is their drama and their the love triangle stuff. Mm-hmm. There's something so. There's a scene with Laurel in the, in season two where she's talking to, to Arrow inside of her office and she just she she pulls this like stampy feet child thing where she she said, I, 
I can't see you anymore. And she just twists her head and her hair flips and she's humph and I'm just oh my god oh my god why couldn't you have just died at the end of the first season um oh my. <laughs> I'm sorry I can't stand her Thea's gotten better Thea's gotten a lot better but Laurel is still she gets under my skin uh I don't want a show that's full of that I if they're going to do it and they're especially to take my she was my favorite character Miss mm. Martian was my favorite character um I don't want it to turn out to be like a Dawson's Creaky kind of superhero. I don't like that the idea that the superhero thing with a superhero twist. It should be a superhero show with a romantic twist. Oh, by the way, this is not the official word on it. It's just like this is what they're it's hearing. Official enough for me. It's hearing. <laughs> I'm just, official enough for you to be upset. I'm, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just giving it a hard time. I can't say anything until I see it. Am I excited about it? No. Uh, the animated show was wonderful is enough for me that if it turns out to be a bomb I, I a don't have to watch it and b i will always have the animated stuff however if they can do what they did with arrow and uh kind of build it up over time and craft it into something that's actually fun and that adds things to the universe kind of like what arrow's doing bringing in more rogues and bringing in other characters that are you know famous throughout the dc universe that aspect of the show is a lot of fun. If they're going to take maybe other teen heroes outside of Young Justice and introduce them into the show, I think that could be awesome. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would like to see who the, the showrunners are, please. Mm. We don't know if it's even real yeah. yet, but <laughs> it's a good rumor. It's real enough. It's real <laughs> enough for me to be nervous about Frank it. Darabont. Uh This show will be okay, and then I'll leave after the first season. <laughs> um, and then it will become wildly, wildly popular with everyone. Uh, that was the. What do, you, what do you think about this? Well, Bob? The cartoon was great. Yeah, awful lot of superheroing being done. Yeah, but I don't know how that yeah. would translate mm. to to the, the small screen and yeah. their budget. Yeah. So, <laughs> gee, should they do an animated? Show a, a nicely animated show, maybe a Pixar-looking kind of thing. No, no. no. <laughs> but then no. You, you're definitely going to have a superhero twist and not have superheroes. Yeah, I mean they'll do superheroing stuff, but you can't have you know Superboy throwing tanks and everything every week because you can't afford it. It just doesn't work that way. Um, which is why a show like Arrow works because he's street level. You know, he he just he shoots an arrow. He 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 jumps from building to building. You know, stuff like that. Um, but I think, uh, you know, if you, I think if you look at something like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right, um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is very much a procedural show or, you know, it's also a drama. It's also, a, a you know, a workplace drama uh, with uh, the trimmings of a superhero mm-hmm. or action show. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a lot of episodes where people are just in a room, you know, or they're decoding something from a computer or there's, you know, a, a, a gunfight off screen or, or something like that, you know, and then maybe one explosion or one big thing happens every one or two episodes to kind of get you through. The bus crashes or something. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that's yeah. what you end up seeing probably if this show gets made is, you know, you see a lot of focus on them, you know, at the at the base or whatever or in their regular lives, you know. Trying to at try, the prom, trying to do their stuff. Maybe at the prom, just <laughs> good scenes. There are good, a lot of good prom scenes. Um, you know, but trying to live normal lives while also trying to be uh, the superhero uh, characters. Um, that's what I would assume, anyway, for, from what you can do on a TV budget. You know, with any. Let me look at Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica 
is primarily a, a show about people sitting in rooms, you know, talking to each other. They talk great to they each other. They talk great to each other. <laughs> you know, so that's what it comes down to. It comes down mm-hmm. to what the the writing is like and what the dialogue is like and what those really, how you believe those relationships actually happening. I like for it to be snappy, like something mm-hmm. like Mean Girls or something mm-hmm. like that. If you were going to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually, I watched a trailer for a movie last night, just on a, on a lark. I, I saw the poster and I clicked on it for a movie called Vampire Academy. Okay. That's, yeah. it's based on a, it's a six book, um, novel series. I've never read it, but mm. the, the curiosity won out and I watched the trailer and it's actually from the people that did Mean Girls and it looks hilarious. Hmm. Something in that vein, I don't know if people want to go check it out, but mm. something in that vein is if you were going to do teen drama you know you can have the drama but have a little bit of snark and a little bit of humor in there and uh it could be cool i mean the idea of kids living with powers and trying to live under the radar while still trying to live you know teenage lives could be really interesting Mm -hmm. uh, as long as you have the right writers and you don't gag people to death Yes, absolutely that is absolutely uh correct um and uh, that's really it uh, uh, for news this week. There wasn't a whole lot of stuff. I mean, there was more movement on, more rumors about movie stuff and all this stuff. But I don't want to talk about that stuff already, and I don't want to beat it to death. Um, so uh, let's uh, let's wait till there's any real news. And then... I'm going to be in Thor 3. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Breaking news. Yep. Scoop. I'm going to be Milnor. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be Mil... Yeah, they're going to replace me. Meow, meow, meow. Meow, meow. Swing around. Actually, on the Thor front, did anyone see those pictures of Jamie Alexander at the Children's Hospital? Yeah, yes, is I that did. incredible? Yeah, oh my! Yeah, dressed as if that was pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah, that that was some that was great stuff. Great, great stuff. I love the picture of the patient holding the sword. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, all right, let's move on uh, to our books of the mm-hmm. week. Um, Steve, why don't you start us out? What? Let's change things up a little bit here. All right. Uh-huh. Let's see. Um. Well, my, my, all right, no, that isn't my book of the week. <laughs> ho, ho. Okay, so, Bob, are you going to talk about Hawkeye? No, I'll talk, talk about, about it now. We'll talk about Hawkeye. All right, Hawkeye was... When don't we talk about Hawkeye? <laughs> really? Hawkeye yeah. number four, well, it's it's back. It is back. So we got to talk about yes. it. Yes. And, and as we've said before, if we talk about a book a lot, it's because that book is really good and yeah. you should probably be reading it. Um, Hawkeye number 14 hit the shelves this past week and it is dun, da, 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 a Kate story. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I personally, I, I mean, I love Hawkeye anyway. I really like when we get an issue where we deal solely with Kate, not deal with her, follow Kate, I should say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we put up with her. Um, there is, it's, it, there's something so charming about her and the way that she's going about trying to be out on her own. She's kind of had it up to here with Clint and she takes Pete's dog and she walks, storms off in a huff and she's trying to make her own hero for hire. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how when you, you watch them together in the comic, uh, Clint and, and Kate, that they have that back and forth banter and it's cute and it's brotherly, sisterly kind of stuff. And then... You, they it makes it seem like they're different and they're always butting heads because you know opposites attract blah blah blah, but then when she's out on her own, you see that she's a lot like Clint in many ways. That it's almost we're just we're putting you know the female skin on that character and watching it in a more beachy tropical setting. But there are so many awesome panels. There's one of uh, of her. I was describing it to you earlier. Where it looks like a Sweet Valley High cover or like a Vidal Sassoon thing, Kate Bishop, I'm pretty much an Avenger at your service. And she just likes like yeah. 
Uh, super fun. Lots and lots of laughs and, and lots of action. Quirky stuff that you'd expect from Matt Fraction and a seedy-looking mystery character who uh, I have yet to figure out who he is. But of course, by the end, Kate saves the day. And the story, even though it feels separate from the other Hawkeye stuff, it still fits perfectly with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bob, what did you think? Well, I absolutely loved it. New artist, well, actually returning artist, did Annie did the Wu. Uh, annual? Yes. Right, the last Kate. Well, no, it was Javier Polito. Oh, did that? Okay. She did issue eight, Okay, I think it she was. She did the, it was like the romance covers in the girlfriend's yeah. oh, arc. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. Because Matt Fraction apparently was saying, well, it's a lady story. Yeah. I need someone who knows how to do this. Yeah. There are such lovely small moments here. And the art is still of a character with David Ajas. Mm-hmm. It is still in that vibe, mm-hmm. but it's completely different and utterly charming in its own way. There's a, a shot as she comes up to our mystery bad guy mm-hmm. with the, the definite bad guy name of Flint Ward. <laughs> it just sounds like someone who would do something awful like stealing orchids. <laughs> And she shows up on his door in this big floppy Audrey Hepburn hat and her purple sweater. And she rode there on her bicycle. He just dismisses her as if, oh, stop. I just don't sell my orchids to weird women in bike shorts that appear on my doorstep. Now go, child, go. Just shoes her away. But I think my favorite is as she's trying to make her way into the police's good graces so she can investigate this theft. She's sitting at her laptop trying to sort out well, what she can do and can't do. And there are a whole bunch of Google searches or whatever flying past the top of her head as she scratches her head and looks at her laptop and then collapses in anxiety onto the table. Just like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Just a fun issue with a really good story that is a fine mystery with a lovely little twist at the end that I'm mm-hmm. not going to say much about. We'll yeah. don't want to spoil that one. Yeah, it seems like uh, what Fraction is doing here, and if you look at the the very last page, you know, past the actual story where they're go- they the next covers are, it seems like it's going to be switching off, like an issue with Clint, an issue mm-hmm. with Kate, an issue yeah. with Clint, um, and I think that's a really cool idea. It's a way to um, it's it, it, to give diversity to the story that wouldn't wouldn't be there otherwise. Um, you know, I hope that it doesn't lead to interruption in like the flow of e- of either story you know um and just and if i think if it stays on schedule then we, we will but we know that it, it hasn't always stayed on schedule in in, yes. in its run um you know month and months gap long gaps uh with issues coming in in different orders than they were originally meant to and all these other things so uh i worry if that happens but uh i love kate and i think she's a, a, a great character and I think the art by Annie, Annie Wu is is great. I think what you miss with Aja not being there is less about the the visuals uh, 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 of the actual uh, figures and the backgrounds and stuff. It's more the, the design of the book. Um, sure. The book isn't isn't designed in, in this with the same uh, panache that you get when you have David Aja, you know, uh, uh, as your as your main artist. Um, and and that's fine. I mean, th- every book doesn't have to be that way. Um, but I can see why people who have kind of gotten used to that with Hawkeye, because even when he hasn't been on the book, th- they seem to either get artists who either he's somehow contributed to the layouts or they get artists who have their own um, styles that are, are not the standard panel structure sure. styles. And you get the one with, like when you have the Google searches, that's a, that's a kind of a change up on, on the look. Um, so 
I, I missed that a little bit, uh, but I, I still think that it was a, a, a great story and uh, funny and, and all the things that we've come to, you know, want uh, from Hawkeye and standalone as well. You know, you, you, it's, it certainly informs you to, to read the, the past Hawkeye issues, but you could read this um, with just reading that first, you know, funny kind mm-hmm. of pithy introduction recap mm-hmm. page and be able to do it. She's, uh, she, she's Hawkeye, but she's a girl and she's in LA. That's the only thing you really didn't need to know about the story. Kind of an Avenger. Kind of an Avenger. Exactly. <laughs> kind of Avenger, yeah. Exactly. I mean, Joey, what did you think? I mean, I loved it. Uh, I actually really liked the, the change off in the artwork. Um, that with the David Aha stuff, I think it's very appropriate to the Clint Barton storylines. Very kind of realistic, very kind of gritty, and there is that kind of innovative layouts. With this one, yeah, you do sacrifice some of those layouts, but there's a there's a sort of I think um, everyone said it, but this sort of charm and quirkiness to what Annie Wu's doing, and I think that fits Kate better mm-hmm. than if 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 David Aha uh, were to do this story. I don't know if I uh, I don't know if it would work the same. I'm sure I would love looking at it, but I don't know if it would have that same sort of flair. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I laughed the whole way through. I thought it was very funny, but it also did have those very touching moments, especially with the the, the same-sex couple that, that she's trying to help out. I think that's just so... Um, you don't see that a lot, and I'm very, I was very happy to see that in the book. It was very poignant, very well done. Um, so so uh, the book was just covered a lot of ground in, in what is otherwise a, a one-and-done kind of story. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and I love the uh, the kind of '70s badass like movie poster uh, cover yeah. uh, of Kate, yeah. the sunglasses on and, and stuff. Uh, yeah, no, another really strong uh, issue, and I believe that a a listener had on Twitter and asked if we felt that Hawkeye was falling off. No, um, and I don't, I don't, I don't think we do, but I can, I can see um, if you're if you're really tuned into that one style, where this issue could trip you up mm-hmm. uh, a little bit in, in that way. All right, Steve, what do you got next for us? Well, moving on, I uh, enjoy the living hell out of Avengers Assemble this week. It is part of Inhumanity, which is now uh, beginning. And what this is, is number 21. And I actually want to mention, make it a point to mention the artist. It's written by Kelly Sudeconic with art by Matteo uh, Bafagni and colors by Nolan Woodard. This book was, did you read this? No, I didn't read it. All right. This book was awesome. Uh, really, really enjoyed the art, not just the line work, but specifically the colors. Uh, this is dealing with the kind of the fallout from, uh, I'm sorry, from infinity with the Terrigen mists and basically the fall of Adelon has created, it's started a chain reaction throughout the world that people that were capable of being in humans, they've always had this, this kind of, what'd you call it, Bob? Hmm. Potential. Potentials work. All right, I'll go with potential. Dormant gene. Yeah, like a dormant gene. All of a sudden, you know, Adelon falls and this gene unlocks, and people all over the world have entered into these cocoons. And what we have here is a story about uh, Spider Girl, who I haven't seen in quite a while, and now she's in uh, Avengers Assemble. And she comes to the Avengers and she's trying to tell them in so many ways before getting interrupted or talked down to because she's younger, Mm -hmm. uh, surprisingly enough, by Captain Marvel. And uh, she's trying to tell them my social studies teacher, my history teacher is is missing. Turns out that he's one of these cocoons. I really enjoyed this issue because I'm very interested in the whole inhumanity thing. I like the idea that we're going to be getting 
kind of a whole new breed of superhumans, super beings, whatever you want to call them. Some of them will be heroes. I'm sure some of them will be villains. But all of these people, all these new people are kind of going through this metamorphosis while in this cocoon. Ha ha. Mm. And uh, that was smooth, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I entertain myself. So <laughs> it's I just I like I like the setup. I like where it's going. And there are some really, really awesome character moments, really, really great pages and panels. And there's this one moment aside. It focuses a lot uh, when I picked it up. Excuse me if I'm all over the place. When I picked it up, I didn't even draw, it didn't even make, it didn't reach that it was like, it's Spider-Woman, Spider-Girl, and Black Widow, three spiders mm-hmm. off on the on the same thing. <laughs> and Spider-Girl brings that up and talks about it at length, and there are some pretty funny moments, and I was like, oh my god, she's right, it's all three spiders. And I was so entertained for a minute by this, this tiny little uh, detail about the book, but... There is this one moment where the girls are headed into an aim facility and they're going to, you know, they're going to take it out. They're going to shut the lights off. They're going to do their thing. And Spider-Girl hasn't really hung with like the big, the big dogs all too much. And she's there with Black Widow and Spider-Woman. And of course, Black Widow's in charge of interrogation. And Spider-Girl's not all too, too familiar with her methods. And she's like, how are you going to make them talk? And there's this panel of... Black Widow, that it looks almost as if like you were around a campfire or you're in the middle of the woods and somebody's holding a flashlight underneath their face to make a scary face while telling like a ghost story. And she just goes, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> and Spider-Girl goes, is, is she always that terrifying? And Spider-Woman was like, yep. <laughs> and it was, it was, I thought it was hilarious. The following pages after that, the action scenes of the 10 seconds that it takes them to take out the whole place is fantastic mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where i sat down and just had a lot of fun reading a comic book mm-hmm. like it was like boom bam, mm-hmm. like you know making stephanie noises and stuff <laughs> so i can't do it as good as she does so I'm you gonna... spider lunges yeah spider lunges there you go um my favorite thing of the week is actually was pretty much how infinity came to a close but we'll be talking about that later so mm-hmm. i just want to throw not only a shout out but talk for a moment about afterlife with archie mm-hmm. One of uh, our frequent listeners, uh, my friend Josh Curtin, had heard or heard me talking on the podcast about how I have not been able to get my hands on Afterlife with Archie. After I missed out several times on the first one, I missed out on the second print. It was right in front of me at Comic-Con, like 96 (laughs) issues sitting on the table. I stood there for 45 minutes and did not turn around and pick one up out of sheer stupidity. And he heard my story, my tale of woe, and said, I have two copies uh, at my store. I will send them to you. So, yes. Thank you. Go, Josh. It's awesome. I mean, we just did the whole Talking Comics Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. special. What are we thankful for? I'm thankful for Josh Curtin sending me (laughs) Afterlife with Archie because this shit was awesome. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I mean, Stephanie had read it. Mm -hmm. You and Bob had had looked it over and read it. And I was the only one on the outside. And... I should not have been. <laughs> and it was a huge, it was my, completely my fault for not picking this up and going with my gut that I, I should have. It is awesome. Yeah. It is awesome. It's it's Francis Francovella at, in my opinion, at his best mm-hmm. doing what he does art-wise. The art is so grotesque and so creepy and the colors are wonderful for to give it that like almost like 70s, early 80s mm-hmm. horror movie feel. 
And it's not it's not that it's good enough for it just to be Archie characters as in you know in the throes of a zombie mm. breakout or mm. whatever. I've never read Archie in my life. Mm. You know, I know Betty, I know Veronica, I know Archie, I know Jughead. That's it. I know who everyone is in Archie's town mm-hmm. after just the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to work an overnight uh, job, and one of the things that I used to watch, I admit it, I watched Sabrina the Teenage Witch because mm-hmm. it was on at like 4 o'clock in the morning <laughs> on God knows what channel. And so when Jughead shows up after an accident with Hot Dog and she was into the story, I was like, ah, it's, Clar- it's Clarissa. She's going to explain <laughs> yeah. everything to Jughead. It's going to be awesome. But no, there are consequences to dealing with black magic mm. and stuff that you should not be touching. Necromancy is bad. How many times <laughs> do we have to, you know, tell people this? Mm. So to make a long story short, I absolutely fell in love with it. I cannot wait to read the rest of it. And I love that not only did it scratch my horror itch, it makes so many references to horror movies mm-hmm. in general and little winks and little nods. And it's... It's smart stuff that fits right into the story, right mm-hmm. into the conversation. It's not there just for the sake of being there. This is a total homage to old school horror done Archie style, but done with gore and with danger and with fear and all of that stuff. And it's a huge surprise. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it abso- absolutely. Um, it, it, it was funny reading issue two. Uh, you know, you you it's narrated by uh, Veronica. Yep. And there are points in the story where you're like, Veronica is a bitch. Yeah. You know, when you read the story, you're like, she is not a nice person. You know, she never was. Yeah, I know. But when the regular way the Archie's written regularly, it's sort of like charming. You know, <laughs> like, you know, it's like, oh, she's she's kind of like mean, but it's funny mean. You know, and it's like charming mean, but. And this she's just really mean, and and even Betty sometimes like the way that you know her and Betty talk to each other, it's mean, you know the the way they go at each other uh, about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it makes them you know real real people, and you know there's uh, it, it, the thing starts with this quote right that it is said later on in 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 the story, but it's 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 Veronica saying I didn't like Jughead when he was alive. Now that he's dead, well. The less said, the better. Um, and in that line, when she says it, it's not she's not trying to be funny. She's not, you know, she's being serious, and she, you know, she's talking to she's talking to her father about what happened at the, you know, at the, at the prom when, when Jughead showed up as a as a, a zombie, you know, Jughead. Mm-hmm. Um, great costume, yeah, great costume, <laughs> and it's and it's really great. And you you know you, it's funny because Archie has been probably the least surfaced character so far in in either of the issues. You don't get that much with Archie until the very end of, of mm-hmm. this this issue and you, you know, you get a good sense of him, but he, he seems like, you know, the, like the quarterback of the football team. Like, you know, he's an okay guy, but it doesn't seem like he's the most interesting character in the world, but we're going to see what happens as we, as they go through this, um, this mini series that they're doing here. But yeah, the art is fantastic. The writing, um, is also really, really good. Uh, you know, I loved it. And there's this really cool reprint at the end of the issue, Mm -hmm. um, of the story called cat, uh, by, I can't remember the guy's name right now. It's, uh, Gary Morrow, uh, Gray Morrow, Gray Morrow. Sorry, um, he's co-creator of Man Thing, uh, and they reprinted the story that he did in, in the back uh, about this cat burglar, uh, and it's like a you know it's a horror story. It was really good and re- obviously beautiful to look at. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a really f- uh, full featured, uh, great story. So definitely people should definitely checking it out. I want to see it as a uh, fan film. Yeah, uh, I would love. <laughs> yeah. I would love a fan film, even if they had to divide it into parts. Yeah, 
you know, to make the whole thing. I think that would be awesome. Absolutely. Whenever, but whenever it was funny, I was reading it and they brought up uh, Principal uh, Weatherby. And all I ever think about is chasing Amy. Like when they come back in, he's like, Jughead is not fucking Mr. Weatherby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I think about whenever I hear that name. But yeah, it's awesome. It's really, really awesome. Joey, have you uh, checked it out? Uh, no, I have not. Although I've seen some of the covers for it. And mm. I'm like, well, yeah. that looks crazy. Yeah. Um, it's written by the guy who wrote that uh, the Marvel Knights Fantastic Four. Yes. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Robert Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. Yeah, I was letting you say it because I can't say it. <laughs> I think is his name. Yeah, that's Aguirre's his name. Casa. Yeah. Um, really, 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 really good stuff. Really, really that's good great. Stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, if we want to chat about like general questions of Infinity, now we can. Um, okay. Because that way we don't have to break into the we, no spoilers or anything. But no, I might actually end up quoting myself. Okay. Because I, I wrote something on Twitter and it was it was my exact was thoughts. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna find it and bring okay. it up. Um. So your your book of the week would be Infinity. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I I I read from. I mean, is that yours too, Bob? It's on my list. Okay. So we can yeah, talk about yeah. it now. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, I read the last four. So mm. you know, all in a row, I read issue twenty-two, uh, Avengers mm-hmm. twenty-three, and then part six, and then you know, new Avengers. And uh, I mean, the thing with events, we've read a couple of them now for talking comics, and I some some of them have kind of fallen apart at the end. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've enjoyed the ride, but when it either comes to a screeching halt or doesn't quite answer all of its questions that it posed, there's any any number of things uh, can happen. But with Infinity, Infinity felt like epic the, the whole way through. I mean, maybe there was one or two issues that seemed to be taking their time. But if there was any lull in story, I had a lot of gorgeous, gorgeous artwork to look at. And the story was huge. Mm -hmm. It was huge. There's so many characters, so many people that, uh, you know, I never, I'm going to sneeze. So (laughs) why don't you talk for a second? Come back to me. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Well, Bob, do you want to? Sure. I'm not an event (sighs) fan. (laughs) Bless you. And. What I had here was, for better or worse, a really great Avengers story. Mm. And it carried through the new Avengers and Avengers individual issues, a few of the tie-ins that really amplified the human nature of the story. It wasn't something that was going to change the Marvel Universe forever Mm -hmm. and make you buy 14 other things. It put threads down and seeds in the ground for storylines that will probably be told for years Mm -hmm. moving forward, whether by Jonathan Hickman or somebody else, Mm -hmm. as a piece of dramatic business all all through of it mm-hmm. maybe one of the space issues w- could have been condensed out or mm-hmm. told a slightly different story where it seemed like a rehash of another battle but when they got to the human characters of it or the extra human ones thor flinging his hammer mm. badly right yeah i'm not going to spoil this yeah, in yeah. case someone's not reading it wonderful moments with captain america and captain marvel spider woman Lots of great human stuff. It was a large-scale story with characters that you could relate to, and it all made some sense. There was definite weight to what was going on on these other planets as well, how they interacted. And then once we got back to Earth, I really enjoyed this. I'm mm. probably going to lose my griping card. For this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, Stevie, you want to re uh, 
Yeah, let's start? see. I'm going to try to move around in my tweets a little bit because what I said on here was actually quite quite good. It sums it up. Um, I wrote, I'm just so happy that Infinity delivered in terms of scale and story. What's next? Om nom nom. Which, <laughs> referring to, you know, what can we expect to come from this? Because it ends quite as just, it ends just as big as it began, which mm. is, is one of the really cool things about it. Mm. But um uh, I wrote that I'm, I'm beginning to think that not all events uh, need to have things that change everything. I don't need it. I'm beginning to move away from like, oh, my God, nothing, you know, nothing changed the universe. So what was the point mm-hmm. kind of thing? Because sometimes it can leave you feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not feel that way through this. Kind of like what Bob was saying, how it was never promised to me that this is going to change everything. But it's given us a lead into inhumanity, which it seems to be pretty big. Yeah. So, um, well, let's be fair. The initial slits did say it was going to change everything. Oh, did it? Yes. They all right. always, always <laughs> did. All right. All right. <laughs> well, I said, uh, the art character moments, uh, an <laughs> emphasis on the fact this was one of my favorite things about it. Um, the art, the character moments, and the emphasis on the fact that Captain Marvel can lead right alongside Captain America. Oh. Uh, was enough for me. Uh, also, think about how many characters we got to see, alliances that were forged as well as broken. Uh, and I have a feeling that this is just the start to what inhumanity will bring to the table. Plus, new colossal villain, yay! Oh yeah. Um, listen, I, I thought it was really, really. I thought it was really good, and we'll get into obviously the, the spoiler stuff later on. But I mean, the truth is, it, it probably more than most did change things because you took you talked about Avengers Assemble before. All the things that are happening in that book are because of the stuff that happened in in, mm-hmm. in, in Infinity. Mm-hmm. Um, it leads directly into into humanity, but it's still you know it's still a um, a, a fallout uh, from that book. Uh, you know uh, the, the the thing now the thing about this event is that you, you have to bring in the the Avengers books with it because the, you can't read you couldn't read Infinity one through five. Oh, no. One through six, and understand what was going on. They they skipped too far. There's too big a gap between all of them. Is that what you did, Joey? <laughs> well, yeah, because I I remember like when I can't remember if I was on the the show here or if it was on the live stream, but uh, um, I don't read Hickman's Avengers books. At least I'm not caught up on them. I don't know. Don't make fun of me. I don't know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but I did Infinity. I did read it. I'm all caught up now. Um, so. It, there were gaps, but I think what Steve mentioned about the, the positive artwork. Joey, just hold on one second. Joey, hold, Joey, hold okay. on one second. You're, you've been cutting out a lot, so I'm going to hang up and call you right back, okay? okay? Sorry. All right. All right. I guess you could have read Just Infinity. <laughs> We're calling, this is live, folks. This is great, great radio. Joey, hopefully this is better. Yes. There, this oh, sounds yeah, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, awesome. Okay, so tell us about Infinity. What you 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 just um, read issues one through five or six or whatever it was. Yeah, I'm, I mean I'm all cut up now, but I haven't been reading the Avengers books. Uh, but the the as Steve mentioned, the artwork and the scale of the whole conflict and everything, or the rather the conflicts of everything. Um, and Hickman did a very nice job of of providing everything that would at least make the event enjoyable in the core. Or series, so mm-hmm. I look forward to catching up with the Avengers books and maybe saying like, "Oh, now everything kind of um, get a fuller story." But I think the book itself, especially this last issue, which kind of just was like nonstop, let me punch something and, and <laughs> blow something up and add some new layers and introduce some new th- mm-hmm. things and change everything, um, definitely felt like 
even though I didn't read those books, I felt like I was getting a lot out of it. So, did you not read the uh, Avengers and New Avengers books in the Infinity Event? I think that's a mark of a very good event. Yeah. Did you read the books that were in no, the I event? No, I'm reading. Okay. I, I'm I'm like reading with the like the unlimited app, so like I guess I'm like six months behind or something. Gotcha. I don't know when they release new books. Um, yeah. On there, right. but so I've, I've, I'm a little bit familiar with some of the characters and everything, but but there's that. So yeah, I more meant like in this actual event space, like the you know the Avengers issues that happen in between the issues of Infinity. Um, no, I didn't read any of those. Oh wow, okay, interesting. Um, so maybe there yeah. is maybe like you said, you you have the better perspective perspective yeah. on that. Um, <clears throat> I, I thought that <laughs> maybe from reading those books, I my mind joint was hampered because there's some really great stuff in those, but. There are these moments where there's a lo- there's probably like three or four issues that all end with Captain America being like, now we do this. Like, and it's like the same right, panel yeah. over and over right. again. Um, and it happens like three or four times, and they're, they're all cool moments, don't get me wrong, and they, and they lead to really fun stuff. Um, but it started to feel, those moments started to feel a little repetitive to me. And now we're getting into little details here. but uh, And there were times where I was unsure about what exactly the plan was and where it was going what was going on you know especially the stuff at the end where you're kind of folding in the guardians and this is not getting the spoiler stuff but you're folding in the guardians and you're dealing with you know the sword base and you're dealing with the blockade and you're dealing with this planet and that planet and this secret this secret city and this secret city it was, there was a lot of stuff and that, that doesn't that doesn't that's not a bad thing but I, I feel like it get a little bit overwhelming as far as keeping everything straight and knowing everyone's motivations because there's also you know like 40 Avengers <laughs> that are involved mm-hmm. here. And it actually was my problem weren't with the ones that were, were less known. Cause I, I really liked like, especially um, Eden manifold. Yes. I love manifold. He's an awesome character. And I loved, uh, there's a really great scene between him and Thor uh, in, in one of the books that really presses forward. Um, you know, the the, 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 what's going on and the differing, the differing philosophies of the different heroes and, and how they go into battle and how they deal with things, uh, which I really loved. Uh, And the artwork was great. It was funny because we had a lot of issues of, uh, I think Lionel Yu uh, has been doing a a bunch of them. Um, And I I believe also Opeña has done a few of them as well. Love him. Um, And, you know, the Jimmy Chung art, which was in the first issue, which I love, uh, and it was in Children's Crusade as well, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as I loved it in the last issue, I kind of wished it was one of the other guys, just because I had huh. I would, had been in that kind of visual language that they had been doing uh, for the last uh, however many issues that we we read since the first mm-hmm. issue, you know, ten or fifteen or whatever it was. So I wanted that. Uh, uh, I would. My brain wanted that that art that I was used to seeing. That's not a criticism of his art because it's beautiful, and that's a, a very personal preference uh but i thought it, it ended well but i mean we'll talk about you know some of the other issues i had issues i had with it but steve do you have anything else you want to say about infinity i love black swan <laughs> there yeah. you go that's uh, my my tag for tonight <laughs> steve right. loves black swan and she loves french fries both the movie and the character mm-hmm. uh I, I will say though in, in, in general that the 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 kind of broad stroke shortcomings i felt they had other than those little things i, I said was that i do feel like uh, there's two distinct stories happening here and they come together at the end, but I, I kind of wasn't satisfied w- with the way they came together at the end. They almost felt like they didn't, yeah. they didn't, they didn't need to exist together. You know, the, the way that one of them gets resolved has nothing to do with what happens with, with uh, another. 
Um, and because of that, uh, I found that uh, I, I found the one story lacking b- because of that. I, I thought that the story of the, you know, you know, there's the, the Thanos stuff, and then there's the stuff with the builders and the 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 the, the, the armada of of empires trying to save the universe. I thought the Armada Empire stuff with the Save the Universe was fantastic, and not that the Earth stuff was was bad, but it felt like. And I mentioned I think when we when Infinity Five came out, they seemed to be fast forwarding into it by, by the end, and I felt like just finish off this one story and then start this other story, but it felt like they wanted to jumpstart what was coming next, and so I feel like we didn't get to know well enough, you know, the tribute that Thanos was hunting and um, kind of. All the other stuff I felt like was rushed, and that was my main issue with the end of uh, hmm. Infinity, uh, which we'll get into more uh, later on, obviously, because uh, we have a lot of spoiler stuff to talk about. Hmm. Um, all right, so uh, is that, is that for you, Steve? Yep, moving on. All right, cool. Bob, what about you? Well, since some of my books were, we were talking <laughs> about already, so we're in good shape. So it'll be, it'll be real quick for a change instead of me going on for four days. <laughs> One uh, is not in my pile. Bobby has borrowed it. It's uh, Thunder Agents number four. Okay. Uh, Phil Hester and Andrea DeVito. If you were a fan of the old Thunder Agents, and there are still some of us around who remember, and it's been around in one form or another all through these last 35 years or so, it is a fun sci-fi superhero mashup. We have the, is the end of the sort of first story arc where you see what's going on the... For those who remember the old series, the Subterraneans are back. Only they have a new friend. They have this gigantic god robot and pillars of godly energy all over the earth. And the Thunder Agents, with some unexpected outside help, have to persevere here. It is very classic 60s, 70s sort of thing. It is not told in the way stories are now. It is not a set-in-stone museum piece, don't get me wrong but it's very, very old-fashioned and very satisfying in that way. So anyone who's interested, this first four issues, I'm sure they're around. Mm-hmm. There'll be a trade somewhere down the road. IDW does very good work mm-hmm. with that. But try these first four. You may decide you want to grab onto this. Since the last issue sold about 6,500 copies, <laughs> it may not be around too much longer, though IDW, I think, will stick <sighs> with this. Mm-hmm. It does seem to be very positive reviews across yeah. the board. yeah. They seem invested in their their licensed uh, properties, mm-hmm. so I think that you probably see it continue as long as it's critically, uh, accept, uh, critically accepted well. Because I think they seem, I think they they put a lot of importance on that. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of solicits on that. So it's a must buy. Please buy this and have some <laughs> so fun. it doesn't succumb to the Ryer curse. Yeah. You know, I said to someone who wrote to me today, who said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Don't read books I love. Yeah. Right. Oh, I just said consider everything I recommend a miniseries, and yeah. you won't be so disappointed when it's canceled. That's awesome. Just a much better way to think of things. <laughs> Moving to a book that is going to get canceled, or at least will be going away for a long time, it's FF number 14, mm. Matt Fraction and yeah. the Allred family mm. in all sorts of combinations here. <laughs> They're prepping for the big battle with Doctor Doom. There's a lot of very heavy stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Did Alex sell them out? And in the midst of all that, we get moments with the Watcher and his girlfriend, and she's pregnant, and mm-hmm. they're they're going into the hot tub, <laughs> and Doom is screaming and yelling at, at Ramona, and it is just the usual fun stuff this has been. But now there's little extras added in here. There's a wonderful revelation about the negative zone that may change everything about all the various universes and time travel that's 
going on. It's going to change the Marvel Universe forever. <laughs> it's just going to put it back the way it was and that it no. seems as if, no, there are multiple universes that you can't get to. You can't go back mm. in time. You can't do this yeah. and you can't do that. Well, Reed Richards has been holding out on everybody. Mm. Surprise. <laughs> the negative zone, sh- spoiler, <laughs> the negative zone, there are multiple universes. There's one negative zone uh-huh. and it connects everything else. Right. So think of it as the long hallway in a hospital room with all mm. the rooms and corridors going off it. You could use that. So Doom and his buddies over here, mm-hmm. you know, Kang the annihilating conqueror or whatever they're <laughs> trying to form themselves into, they will control the negative zone and control everything. Mm. So they're looking to wipe out the the FF, the Fantastic Four, the whole mess to get the Baxter building. Mm. And in the midst of that, we get Darla and Scott Lang having a moment. We get the Watcher being told off by Scott Lang. He's a great Scott issue. Medusa and Uhura. This is just, even with the conflict coming, this is still a ran, you know, random, fun, silly, crazy stuff. If people have some people have pulled away from this book a little bit, time to come back. Mm. As this comes to an end, it's going to come into a really nice finish, I think. Very nice. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yes. Hmm. Um, sh- are we all going to do Pretty Deadly? You can talk about Pretty Deadly. Go ahead. Okay. Issue two, uh, I-, I thought issue one was stellar. Absolutely amazing combination of all sorts of old westerns and mystical stuff. And somehow... This issue by Kelly Sue DeConnick, Emma Rios, Jordi Belair, and Clayton Cowles. I got everybody right. Mm-hmm. Got them all in this time. Nice. Missed it the last time. It's even better than the other one. Mm-hmm. It is scarier, creepier, funnier, sadder. Everything around it was the first time we get the expansion of everyone's storyline. We see what happened and why and how to a certain level, though not completely. Still some mysteries. Steve's looking at me quizzically. I've read it twice, and I'm not sure that I still that I understand what what happened. Ooh, <laughs> I'm just saying. I, okay, where talk to me, boss? It's it's first of all, it is absolutely just gorgeous. It is just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. However, uh, I don't really know. I, I I don't know who's working for who, why they're going after so and so and i mean the conflict within the, it takes up more than half the issue was spectacular i i mean i oh. love a good bit of carnage well as we get to a what looks you would think would be a gun battle turns into a lone wolf and cub samurai sword fight with guns right i just i i i'm starting to have a better idea as to where people stand or where characters stand i just i still don't know why Alice has a job to do. Big Alice. Okay. She's... Oh, I don't Which one's too much of, Alice is the big, tall g- girl who walked into the saloon and stole or wanted the binder back from Johnny. Okay. Who had his pocket picked by Sissy, the girl in the vulture cloak. Okay. That they then burned, and Fox, the old man with the blindfold on, when he saw that burning up, went nuts and went, oh, we got to get out of here. Because he knows that's not a good thing to do. That was from issue one. Yeah. Okay. See, I probably should have read one going into two because one was one was pretty heavy. Yeah. It was a lot of you know a lot of what and that's pretty, but it didn't necessarily explain itself or set up the. It was just like the what do they call it? Like the opening scene to a movie before the credits roll and then the actual movie begins prologue prologue yeah yeah it felt like a prologue to to Mm -hmm. something 
And I mean, the book is, is I doesn't matter if I'm not following it a hundred percent, I'm still following the book because the, like I said, the language of it, the art of it, everybody on this book is doing a spectacular job. I mean, just look at the cover. It stands out above many other books on the shelves. Uh, I just don't know that I'm following what's going on exactly. Okay. Well, are you a fan of the spaghetti westerns, which a lot of this is sort of based on, which generally had third acts that explained everything that was sort of mysterious or weird going on. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a storytelling, t- storytelling style. That's not easy to say. <laughs> and I haven't even been drinking. <laughs> So I don't know why that too happened. Too much Coca-Cola. That uh, could be. And too much coffee the mm. last couple of days. And I think you'll get this the huge payoff you're talking about. But right now, everyone's motivations are a little spotty. Mm-hmm. But you saw Big Alice turn up at Sarah's farm. Right. And all hell is breaking loose. Uh, pun intended. <laughs> and you end up with the little boy right. singing the song. Well, which I- brings into play... We do see Death Face Ginny here. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really enjoying the like fable aspects of it, of the the narration, the mm-hmm. perspective that it's coming from between the butterfly and the rabbit, uh, and stuff like that. I like the fairy taleish western, you know, pitch of the story and everything, and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. I just wish that that what was happening was clearer to me. I find that I I'm so entranced by the artwork that I'm kind of getting lost in the panels and not following the story portion of it um, all the way, which might be might be my fault. Maybe I read it under the wrong conditions. Maybe I read it too fast. Or maybe I need to go back and read the first one again to kind of reintroduce myself to the atmosphere of the book and the consequences mm-hmm. of what's happening. But I mean, as far as the brawl, as far as the, the bulk of the book, it was awesome. I love mm-hmm. stuff like that. So cool. I was, you know, making my own sound effects that while, while reading it. That always works. <laughs> Joey, you read it? I did. Um, and the I kind of agree with Steve a little bit, especially coming off of the first issue. It was very atmospheric, and I was getting into things. And I, and I could tell that, that Kelly C. DeConnick and Emmy Rios were kind of setting up, like, oh, this kind of Western, you know, supernatural feel. I actually really liked the second issue then, though, because then I kind of got a better grasp of the narrative. So I don't know if, if yeah, it is reading it in sequence or I felt that this issue did a much better job of setting up, okay, who are the characters, um, who, who, especially the character of Ginny who kind of just showed up at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a much better time reading the story in this one. And, and in, the, in the review that I wrote for the, the site, I kind of talked about it kind of like almost like a, like a ballad or like a lyrical poem. like. Ooh. Yeah, the first issue was kind of like the the chorus that you don't really know anything about what's going on yet. They're just kind of singing the refrain, and then the second issue is it's kind of that lyrical part, the stanza where we get the plot. And I don't know if that means next issue is just going to be more, you know, atmosphere, or if we're going to get some more story. But I really liked issue number two, and I whereas I kind of just enjoyed issue number one. There you go. Bobby, did you? I didn't read issue two yet. Okay. For exactly the reason is that I want you to go back and read issue one before I read issue two because I had no freaking idea what was going on in issue one. So I'm not going to start reading issue oh, two yeah. with, without, without re- no. rereading. I did just what Joey did. I don't know I, if you're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I pulled out the first issue to make yeah. sure I read them in a, yeah. in a lump. And mm-hmm. it, 
I, I think I could have figured it out, but mm. it, it just made for a, a very satisfying long form. Yeah. I mean, the thing I took just from the first issue is, is purely that uh, if, if you're going to try to um, place kind of classical uh, story structure to the book, uh, you're going to get frustrated because I don't think mm. that's what they're trying to do here. And you kind of just need to decide whether or not that's, I think, your taste or not. Um, and sometimes for me, that's not my taste. You know, if, if I take a couple issues and no matter how lyrical I think the writing is or how great the art is, because I got that those both things from the first issue, it, sometimes that's just not what I want to read, you know, because it's, it's it, especially when I'm reading, you know, 15 books in, in a week, sometimes it's tough to absorb something mm-hmm. that's that's more abstract. Mm-hmm. Um and that doesn't make it not worth it. It just means that you know you have to decide for yourself what what you're willing to take. I That's think, a really good point. I, I, and I think what Bob was saying yeah. before about the storytelling style, the spaghetti western style, I think is a very good point. I, I think though that for some people it's going to be tough to swallow only because spaghetti western you watch it all in one sitting. You have two hours and, and you you two and a half hours, mm. three and a half hours if you're watching a Leone yeah. movie. <laughs> um, you can fall asleep in the middle and wake <laughs> up at the end and you didn't really miss anything. But uh, you know you, you get it all in one sitting. Uh, and this, you're going to be waiting weeks, if not months, if not a year to, 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 to get that payoff. So I just hope that people stick with it long enough for that stuff to pay off for them. And who knows? Yep. Issue three, it might become completely, uh, 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 not completely, but a more classical story once they move out of the myth into the what the, what's actually happening to these people in the moment. Because uh, right now it's very big and very abstract and... And you know something that that's tough to to cotton onto, but like you said, it's it's beautiful, it's it's gorgeous, it's very well written. It's just up to you whether or not it's it's something that you want to, I think, put the effort in to mm-hmm. to, to to take on. And sometimes the stuff that has the most effort <laughs> takes the most effort is the most rewarding. Mm-hmm. But you have to decide whether or not that that's what you want to do with your comic book, you know, reading time. See if you want. Yeah, I mean, if I, I'll like today. I read I read my copy mm-hmm. today. I didn't get to it until mm-hmm. this afternoon. Uh, while at a friend's house eating while eating Chinese food. <laughs> so you have that atmosphere and that situation and trying to read it before the show just, you know, to be able to talk about it versus being home, being on my couch, mm. being able to get through the issue and be like, hmm, and then going into my comic room, grabbing number one, reading it again. And like I said, catching that atmosphere and catching mm. the rhythm um, but I mean, I'm I'm still on the book 110%. It is the presentation of the story is wonderful, and it, that's something that I absolutely cannot ignore. Well, it, it's it's Hickman esque in, in the I think in the the it's different in the way that it's written because it's not scientific and, and graphs and charts and all the <laughs> stuff that he does. But it, it, it's asking for that same amount of uh, involvement in in what what they're building mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. kelly sue and emma rios are are asking you to basically to trust them right to go like you might not understand what's going on now but stick with us and you'll get it yeah. and that's exactly what john hickman should do with everything from his from east of west to you know manhattan projects to avengers that's what he asks you to do yeah so and this is the I think this is the first time i think i've read of hers that that is this involved that asks you to do that mm-hmm. um so i'm uh, you know, I, I'm very intrigued to see how she blossoms that story from, from where we are now mm-hmm. into the, the grand design of what, what she's doing. Well, it's such a different voice for her. Yeah, it's a I very mean, different voice for her. We're used to right. a bit more of on the lighter side yeah. and funny, and I there's nothing funny about Pretty Deadly. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Ghost had a certain level of that to mm-hmm. it, where it was a story told in multiple time planes, mm-hmm. 
and from a dark standpoint, right. very much so. In, in some ways, you might even think of that as the trial balloon for mm. where this went, right. that she could do that mm-hmm. for here. The thing which you're talking about being involved in your you know, eating mm. Chinese food, if, it's the difference between reading a novelization of a movie you've already seen, mm-hmm. you know, which you can do, who cares? Yeah. I'm, I'm reading, it's a character I know, and yeah, so yeah. on and so yeah. forth. Or trying to read H.P. Lovecraft mm-hmm. without paying attention. Yeah. No, yeah. it's not going to happen. It's yeah. just you, you need to stop mm-hmm. and look. Or it's the same way. You you can watch a movie while reading a book. Yeah. You pick your eyes up every mm-hmm. once in a while. You can't watch a silent movie that way. No. It would disappear. Yeah. And yeah. It, it requires a certain level of this. And just as you say, Bobby, it is a problem if you're not into that yeah. on a particular day. Yeah. But you look at what Sandman is about. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. The sort of thing. It's the same idea of, wow, I, if I can invest, get invested in this... Mm. I get something really big out of the uh, the other side. Absolutely. It's, you know, Tom Brevoort always talks about when he wanted Hickman to do Fantastic Four and how hard it was for him to pitch the, the uh, his story to the, the higher-ups because it was so involved and so big. And now that he's done it, now when he did Avengers, he's like, yeah, he's just going to do what he did on Fantastic yeah. Four. So because this is kind of the, her first, I think, go-around using this voice and, and really kind of taking her writing... Um, to a different level with what she's trying to do. Um, I, I think that, you know, you trust her talent. I absolutely trust her talent, but I, I don't quite, I don't know yet this, this version of, of the writer that I sure. know, you know? So I'm like, okay, I need to, sh- I need to see posts along the way that tell me I, I made the right decision. I'm spending my, my, my $3, my three fifty, whatever mm-hmm. it is correctly, you know, every, every month. Um, and it's also in the thing with Hickman and, and, and sh- and this book and to the extent like the Rick Remender, which Rick Remender stuff, which I'm gonna talk about later, runs. The problem is that 95 percent of the comics you read, you you can you can kind of do that like I'm re- reading a book, watching a movie type of yes. thing, because they're characters that you know that they have a very um, specific story structure, a, a dialogue rhythm that you're just used to. You know, you can read a Spider-Man book, you know, very quickly without having to really focus on the details because you kind of know already what's going to happen and you're you're taken out of it by the the surprising moments but in general you're in a rhythm and here you can't be in that rhythm so you got a sack of books you know you you have to adjust yourself for it and i think that reading it in that same that same level you have to you have to take yourself up a little bit of a level to read like these kind Mm -hmm. of these kind of indie books a little bit uncomfortable which is challenging yeah absolutely and which there need yeah great art needs to be challenging there needs to be challenging art um and, and i think it's a worthwhile endeavor it's just it i'm just saying it's more of like a, a just a critical level like above like the i like this or i don't like this i hope that the sales remain strong and people stay on it and it and it, and it brings out the reaction that they're hoping it brings out uh in people uh that was a good discussion about pretty deadly yeah that was pretty good <laughs> well well said all around <laughs> yeah well met um so, uh, Joey, you've been silent long enough. Why don't you tell us uh, what you got for your book of the week? Um, well, other than, than Pretty Deadly, which was definitely one of my favorite books from, from last week, I, I wrote a review for a book that I kind of just read at random uh, last week called Never Ending mm-hmm. uh, from Dark Horse. Uh, the first issue of a three-issue miniseries by uh, Adam <laughs> P. Nave and DJ Kirkbride, mm. who did Amelia Cole, which I also really enjoyed oh, yeah, uh, okay. from this past summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With art by Robert Love, um, I picked it up at random. I didn't. It was a number one, and I was like, "Oh, why not?" Uh, the premise is essentially uh, a kind of 
superhero in a world without superheroes, right? A superhero where the kind of comic heroes that we know exist. People read comics, but there's no superheroes. Mm -hmm. So this guy gets superpowers. His name is Chuck Baxter. He doesn't have a he doesn't have a title because he's like, why do I need a title like the people on the comic <laughs> books? I can just be a hero. So he gets his powers, and essentially the premise of the book is the powers grant him almost. Uh, because he's invincible and all that, he's almost immortal. Mm -hmm. So he lives, you know, 60, 70, 80 years longer than everybody else he knows. So the book runs from when he gets his powers in the 50s all the way up to the current time of the, the book, which is like 2040 or so. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the premise of the book is how does this person cope with that immortality? And uh, I knew I was going to love the book when I opened it up. And the first page is, you know, 1962, 1998, 2036, three panels. And it's an image of him, Chuck, punching a robot in the same position. Nice. You know, uh, never, nothing ever changes. Mm. Is the captions, mm -hmm. and in the first image, he's got the buccaneer boots and the red cape and the kind of very um, action comics, you know, kind of image there. And then in the '90s picture, he has the tights with the oversized brown leather coat, <laughs> right? Brown yeah. leather, you know, like Rogue. And I'm like, oh my god! And then in the 2030, he has the kind of asymmetrical tights of the kind of current era. And mm -hmm. I knew right away that this book was going to be about, you know. Um, a person coping with immortality and, and what that means and, and losing people along the way and, and having to constantly fight evil that never seems to go away as well as, you know, what it has meant to be a superhero across these three very distinct time periods. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the writers do a very good job of, of really um, practicing kind of a very compressed mode of of storytelling that we don't see a lot of anymore we see this very kind of cinematic decompressed you know panel to panel very um sequenced events here we're jumping you know decades and jumping back and forth in time across these panels um with the kind of understanding that from chuck's perspective history kind of has, has bled together and uh it's it's really fascinating it, the premise is just incredible um and the in a single issue the amount of backstory that we get because of this very compressed storytelling is just so much more than you get in any normal book that you read uh, uh in the in the superhero genre and uh the ending the kind of twist ending, as it were, because it is a miniseries and because we're moving so quickly, uh, Chuck makes a very, um, very interesting decision regarding both his mortality and the mortality of his arch enemy uh, in the very final panels that, mm. that will make for some interesting conflict going forward. But the premise, I think, is fantastic. The artwork looks like Action Comics, number one, but also looks like something you would see on the stands today. It's it's very, very well put together, and, and the storyline is just really wonderful. I look forward to where it goes what from was, here. What was the name of the book again? Uh, Never Ending. Never Ending. Cool. From Dark Horse. Awesome. And the number one j just came out, right? Yeah, it just came out last week, I think, yeah. and it's just a three-issue miniseries. So. Very cool. Very good. It's, it, sound, it sounds awesome, and a book that I never would have thought to even really look at. Um, without that yeah. feedback, oh, that's really cool. And I, I, got, I admit when you when you first were talking about it, I was like, oh great, it's gonna be another superhero deconstruction uh, story. But it doesn't sound like that really at all. 
Well, I thought it was going to be like Sidekick, that Jim yeah. Michael Straczynski book that came out, which was very dark, very mm. depressing, mm. you know, very kind of like, oh my god, this is unsettling, right? Yeah. But it's it's very kind of it has a very kind of golden age feel to it. Mm-hmm. You know, he he wants to be a hero, and mm-hmm. you see those though that that era in his life, right? But you also get that modern kind of like post Alan Moore feel to mm. it as well when he's in that era. Right. So, you know, the the writers are taking us through these different periods and, and they kind of adopt the style and even the artwork kind of shifts a little bit to match that as well. So it's very well done in terms of addressing, I think, that concern. Cool. Awesome. That's great to hear. Um, so never ending, uh, number one. So it's out from Dark Horse, you said, right? Yep. All right, cool. All right. Um, so anything else, Joe, you want to talk about? Um, no, Pretty Deadly and Hawkeye were the other books I read last week, um, and I really enjoyed those as well. Cool. Awesome. So uh, moving on to mine, uh, really quick, uh, Superior Spider-Man uh, number 22, yeah. which is the beginning of the Darkest Hours, uh, I guess, story event through the Superior Spider-Man book. Uh, it brings Venom into the, the Spider-Man world, and this is Agent Venom, which is Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. Flash Thompson. <laughs> oh! Twist. Uh, big twist. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> they really, they really settled their game. No, uh... Uh, Flash Thompson, and it's the first time apparently that Flash Thompson as Venom has ever met Spider-Man. Um, and there's a obviously there's a big misunderstanding between the now Octavius Spider-Man and this new Venom, and we you know we we kick off kind of we don't really know what what's going to happen yet, but there's a lot of moving pieces happening in Spider-Man's world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought it was very cool to see. Um, the uh, you know Flash Thompson's uh, Venom in this book and, and interacting with, with Otto and I, I look forward to seeing where it goes from there. It's just been uh, Superior's been really really solid for I think the last couple of months especially. I've really enjoyed kind of issue after issue. Uh, again, it, it it never really rises to the number one on my pile, but um, or my book of the week. I never my book of the week, but it's always in that in that. Sc- you know, discussion for me, and I'm always thinking about it very positively at the end of every week, which is a good thing for a book that comes out two but, times a month. Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, Aquaman number 25, which is the end of Jeff Johns's run uh, with Aquaman. Uh, Jeff Parker takes over next month. Oh my god, do you not read it yet? No, oh. <laughs> I didn't realize that it was. The, I forgot. Yeah. Um, no. I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything, um, obviously, but this sees uh, no. the death of the king storyline come come to an end, and it, I'm not going to spoil what happens at the end. But Jeff Johns wraps up his, you know, his about two year run on the character very, very well. Um, he's not done with Aquaman because the last page is, you know, read Justice League for this new, you know, storyline oh. thing with featuring the characters from Aquaman. Uh, Ocean Master and, and stuff like that. So he's still going to be writing that character and he's still going to be a vital, vital part of, of the DC universe. But without going into any spoilers, I mean, it, it ends very, very well. You know, it's not the end of the series at all. It's not, you're not going to number one. You're not, so it's not really changing his status quo at all, but you do get a, a kind of nice resolution to the, the problems he's been going through uh, pretty much since uh, he's returned to Atlantis at the end of uh, Throne of Atlantis. So, psyched. Uh, really, really good stuff. Seems uh, very angry on the cover. He is. Well, he's going to war, man. Okay. He's got to fight the, the <laughs> dead king. Um, and Paul uh, Pelletier, I think that's how you say mm-hmm. his last name. The art is gorgeous. It's awesome. Um, just he's staying on the book. So sweet. Looking really, forward to that. Yeah, really, really good stuff. Uh, but my book of the week and the book I really want to talk about at the most here is uh, Black Science, uh, number one by Rick Remender with art by Matteo Scalera. 
And it's a uh, science fiction book uh, that the cool thing about it is that uh, I think it was actually Greg Rucka who um, talked about this uh, on the Wonder Woman show when we talked about making Wonder Woman in, into a movie and we, we mentioned Thor. And he said the thing about Thor that was so so genius was that it didn't it was a very complicated premise but a very simple plot you know you didn't have to you didn't have to worry about the plot and be confused by the plot you could just focus on the crazy stuff that was happening and get to know that because you didn't have to worry it's you know guy getting his powers back all this other stuff yeah. and this book very much reminds me of that in this first issue because it throws you right in to what's going on but it quickly gives you this very central, very easy to understand premise, which is this guy needs to get back to his kids because something really bad is going to happen. Uh, the thing that's really bad is going to happen is really insane and intense, and his surroundings, you know, with like frog people and fish people, fish people and giant turtles and all these other <laughs> things, like it's crazy. But the whole time, you, you're very much in this science fiction sort of um, adventure action movie mode of we just need to escape. It seems very improbable, but we need to escape. Uh, and because of that, I was able to just kind of go along for the ride with the story and let uh, the the plot stuff fill itself in around it, which I think by the end of the issue, it does very well. It kind of gives you an idea that they're on this alien planet, they're, they're investigators, and there's this war going on between these two alien races. Uh, and then, obviously, we get to the end, and this is a giant, huge moment that w- who knows what's going to happen now, yeah. because it, it very much feels like, you know, a science fiction television show to me, where it's like, we got out of this one pickle, and now we're in the next pickle. Mistakes have been made. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think that the uh, art by Matteo Scalera is absolutely gorgeous, and it, it's it's got a certain uh, grime to it, an edge to it, but it's also got a kind of classical... Um, more cartoony look, especially in the faces. Like, there's very expressive big faces um, happening here. It was the the covers alone have made me really excited about the book. The kind of pulpy science fiction looking covers mm-hmm. that they've been putting out. So I was very very excited about this, uh, and it didn't disappoint me uh, in the least. I know, Steve. Did you check it out? I did. What did you think? I liked it quite a bit. However, um, first of all, I want to give it up to uh, Dean White who was the uh, colorist yeah. for the book. Because as as absolutely mind-bendingly gorgeous as the book is, uh, it would not be complete without the colors. The mm. colors are just outstanding. Mm. Um, I, d- I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it a lot. I, I almost wish that it was just art. I felt like I could have... I, I know you're making a face. Yeah, what does that mean? You would not understand what's going on. I no no no. I honestly I think you could. Um, I I like the story. I don't necessarily know that I like some aspects of the prose or the narration. It's got a little bit of like stop start uh, language to it. Some of the sentences. It almost feels um, like film noirish mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Um, you were talking about earlier about like certain tones not working f- for you for one reason or another. Mm. I can't put my finger on it, but the rhythm of the language kind of put me off a little bit. But th- as far as the setup, as far as the story, as far as the art goes, it's really, really cool. And I, I'm definitely not sorry to have bought it. Mm-hmm. I think it's really neat. And I, I do like the setup. I just don't know if I like the main character. Okay. 
Um, I is this a mini series? No, it's an ongoing. Really? Yeah. Is it always going to be this level? I of... have no idea. Because let, let me go talk to Rick. I'll ask him. Yeah, really. We haven't chatted in a couple of days. Because <laughs> <laughs> if this if this is monthly, I, the the artwork for this. This is this is almost like beyond uh, like Batwoman mm. level, you know. I'd be very curious to find out how how long it's going to keep up this. I I don't want to say level of quality because mm. whoever steps in could also be just as amazing, but just this look like something like Sandman can't make it to the shelves until X, but something as epic art wise as this will be on the shelves, you know, once a month or whatever. Mm. Uh, I love the one thing I, I really, really dug about it. I think more than anything else is that it actually reminds me of kind of like early nineties, uh, like heavy metal type artwork. Or if you ever saw these, uh, prism or Boris cards, I think Boris was the, the artist, but mm-hmm. it was always, it was like Conan, the barbarian style, um, characters on, you know, far away planets mm-hmm. riding Boris Vallejo. Yeah, like mm-hmm. sa- riding like saber tooth yeah. tiger dragons yeah, yeah, and crap yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it totally reminded me of that. Like, I'm waiting for you know Megadeth to you know come <laughs> over the hill and start playing. <laughs> but it, uh, I mean, the art alone is is pulling me in, and I, I really want to do see where the story goes. I want to see if the character can truly redeem himself. I just I just kind of feel like the situation that they're in, it's all his fault and mm-hmm. he because of, of him dabbling in what they call the black sciences mm-hmm. i want to see if he's going to be able to get these people out and i want to know exactly what happened to the people that they've lost well then i think the book did its job then yeah <laughs> made you want to see <laughs> yeah. um, it's, like, it's like a really fucked up lost in space to me yeah no <laughs> it's definitely i mean it's definitely cool it's definitely got me for another issue i just there was something about the prose and narration mm-hmm. That just it mm. kind of I don't know mm. it was just a slightly off. Mm-hmm. Everything else about it was phenomenal. Bob, you See, read I read it just before we came yeah. on the air, and first of all, the cover is one of those ace science fiction things from mm. the late '60s. Yeah, with sort of the swirly lettering mm-hmm. that's very that period. Yeah. You mentioned it being an effed up, lost in space. It mm. definitely has the 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 gritty feel of. I don't know if you ever saw these movies. Roger Corman, late 70s, early 80s, post-Star Wars, mm. started making New World science mm. fiction movies. He couldn't afford much of anything. His art director was Jim Cameron at that point. And his job, for instance, to make spaceship sets was to go to McDonald's <laughs> and buy breakfast meals in styrofoam containers so they could glue them to the wall and paint them silver mm-hmm. <laughs> and make spaceships. And so Galaxy of Terror or Horror Planet... This is what it looked like. Mm. It's sort of the cheap version of a big budget movie. Mm. You could feel the oiliness of these fish creatures and whatever, right. and the, yeah, the yeah, weird yeah. settings and the yeah. the terrible room where the fish ladies dancing on their table. <laughs> and the the first person narration is very film noir. Yeah. But in the science fiction world, there was a movie from the '60s called Robinson Crusoe on Mars, directed by Byron Haskin, who did War of the Worlds in '53, and George Powell produced it. And they actually used the spaceships here and there where it's all told from this fellow who's left behind. Mm-hmm. The probe crashes. He loses his partner, who was Adam West, amazingly enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fellow named Paul Mantee wanders around on Mars by himself until mm-hmm. he finds Friday right. and some other bad people. But it's all told in that person, his regrets, his mm-hmm. hopes, his desires. And this fellow knows he made a mess of things. Yeah. 
Yeah. And wants to find a way to make amends and gets back to home base and it's not going to get any better. No, no, it's not. It's not at all. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Steve, you look like you want to give us a reading from the book. Because I ignored Ward, wouldn't listen, stomach heaves, instincts override wits, I jump back, back into nothing. Not yet. Not until they're home. And unless I'm back in ten minutes, our children will be dead. Why are you doing Rorschach? Yeah, you're doing Rorschach. Yes, it is. Gruff, deep voice. I don't have have fast, science-y man, geeky voice down yet. I'm sorry. No, it's not geeky, man. He'd be a hard-boiled private eye. That was my hard-boiled noir voice. I'm working on it, right? (laughs) Give us some Bogart or Um, something. The thing about me is that I I love that style of of voiceover and dialogue. I love that noir... That that staccato rhythm. Normally, yeah. I do too. To, to the to the language. So when I'm reading that, that's I'm I'm that's what it draws me in even more because I love the way that's laid out. You know that when I when I think of voiceover, when I think of um, kind of this style of story, whether it be a science fiction story or a crime story or anything like that, that style of narrator and that kind of guy who has he just fucked up his life. Like that's you know that's mm-hmm. and he has to bring it back. He has to bring it all back, and he's got to do whatever he can. To, to to you know make it happen my, my favorite kind of stories you know and whether or not he can ever do it whether or not it ends in him dead or ends in him mm. you know initial uh, finally overcoming th- that's to be seen but i that's i love that because it, it, it takes him from a place he has a journey to go on right he has a journey from being a fuck up to being the person who saves the day <laughs> and that's more interesting to me than somebody who always saves the day <laughs> you know and especially in a story like this where you have any freedom you wanted to do why create someone Who's who doesn't have these issues, you know? That's because you, yeah. you could start from zero. Uh, but I'm I'm really excited about it. Uh, uh, and I think what you're thinking about the art, though. I think it won't come out if it's if he's not ready to do it because right. this is a creator on book. They've worked together before. They did a series called Fear Agent, I believe, together, uh, which is also a science fiction story. I think kind of in the same vein. Um, and uh, so, I mean, who knows how long it'll take to come out? But I. I don't think they would put out an issue without the team. Heck, there could be four issues in the can already, and we don't even know. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Black Science, uh, number one, is my uh, book uh, of the week. All right, Sweet. so um, we're going to take a little break, but stick around after that because we're going to do some listener questions, and then we'll do our spoilery infinity talk. We are back. Um, so I put out the call for listener questions just actually when we started recording and we got a ton because our listeners are amazing. Um, so uh, we have a couple questions actually specifically for Bob. So let's let's ask one of them uh, right now. Uh, Here this, we go. This is, <laughs> this is uh, from Antonio Canales on, on Twitter. It's at uh, YNGBLDAC. It says, question for Bob. How frequent has it been over the years for related artists couple or blood relations to work on the same book as with all the all reds over on <laughs> ff wendy and richard peeney uh the dodsons mm-hmm. here and there uh, walt louise mm-hmm. the Imonins. Imonins? yeah catherine stewart yeah. i do i assume they are married yes i believe they're not brother and sister right 
I think they might be brother and sister. Uh, they're hopefully married. they're not married Awkward. then. Fact check. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to. Uh, I think I'll they're married look, though. I have to look into that. Yeah. Mm. They're probably more than we think of. Well, Jimmy and Amanda. Jimmy right. And, yeah. 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 It is still fairly rare, mm-hmm. only because as we spoke with Trina, all through the 50s, 60s, and 70s, there were very few women working in comics. Yeah. Matter of fact, in 1974, there were two. <laughs> two! <laughs> so, uh, rarer than more common now. Right. And not even like brother-brother, really. or Sal and John Buscema. Uh, yeah. We had the brother and sister team of Marie Severin and her brother John at EC and, and Marvel. Mm-hmm. Joey, yeah. you're gonna say something? Uh, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. That's right, they are. They were, That's right. Yeah. I forgot they're related. I totally forgot about that. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's scattered, but it's it's there. Um, another question Good for you, question. too, Bob, is um, I gotta find the exact one. I missed. Uh, it. Maybe uh, someone will ask about Decor the Mystic, who in this month's FF. I don't. That wasn't. No, that wasn't. Rats. I studied on that one. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andy Breeden on Facebook wants to know. You talk often about how you lost a lot of books when the New 52 started. You dropped a lot of books. Yes, he I wants did. to know what was on Bob's DC pull list prior to the New 52. Steve. Husband and wife. Nice. All right, good. Okay, good. Now not I feel less anymore. awkward yeah, about it. Not awkward yeah. anymore. JLA, okay. JSA, the occasional Batman and Superman, depending on what storyline was going on, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Batgirl, Birds of Prey, Power Girl, Zatanna. The occasional Doom Patrol was in and out. I was buying DC Presents here and there. Every once in a while, a Flash, there'd be a Rogue and a Flash issue. Mm-hmm. I, would, I had core seven or eight titles, and then a whole bunch of sidelines. Mm-hmm. The JSA Classified they did for a while, or the mm-hmm. JSA All-Stars and so on and so forth. So whatever. And there was some miniseries. They did Terra, where you know Jimmy and Amanda did Terra, which mm-hmm. was really good. Or there was a one-shot here and there. Mm-hmm. I was probably buying 70% Marvel, some, but some weeks would be 50-50. Mm-hmm. So, you know, reasonably large amount, not yeah. Steve amounts, mm-hmm. but, you know, reasonably large <laughs> amount. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, th- when the tone of everything changed, the book I knew I, I was going to continue was Batgirl. Mm-hmm. Still not, you know, I agree that... Changing that character, Oracle is mm-hmm. one of my favorites. We did discuss that on Steve's book club. Gail Simone, who wrote that character for so long, if someone was going to try to fix it, I wanted her to be the one. That's a mm-hmm. book I had to read. Mm-hmm. And I sampled a lot of the others. And the, the, the tone of DC had been getting dark. Each event got sort of darker and darker. And Even though there was Brightest Day after Blackest That's Night. True, there was. <laughs> it, it was Indeed. in a... Blackest Night was a pretty heavy piece of work. It's pretty heavy. And that was, I think, where I started to drift myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still buying what I'm buying, and mm-hmm. I was buying the fun books. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't say anything that, about Power Girl except mm-hmm. it was just a fun ride. And I had to back away. The characters I didn't recognize anymore, mm-hmm. and they're fine for everyone else. They're mm-hmm. just not, that's not my Wonder Woman, which I, I forgot to mention I was certainly buying. Absolutely. Coming down the end. Right. Uh, who was writing up to the end? Gail Simone was up to issue 44. Then we did J. Michael Straczynski right, because right. they renumbered it to 600. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's, 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 he did about a year, I guess. That's right. That's right. I think it was him too, who wrote the last issue before the yes, relaunch. Yes, which is 613. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's when she had pants. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so uh, Joshua Curtin, 
who we mentioned oh, before. Hey. Um, he wants to know of the new all new Marvel Now books, which ones will we definitely be picking up? And I'm, I'll read the list and then we can we can say it. Uh, we got all new Ghost Rider by Felipe Smith and Trad Moore. All new Invaders, James Robinson and Steve Pugh. Two yeses. Uh, all new X Factor. Uh, mm, Peter David, Carmine D. G. M. I can't say his last name. That's close. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, oh, Avengers Undercover, Dennis Hopeless, and Kev Walker, um, which is the Avengers Arena team starting their oh, new book together. Uh, like, it's maybe. Like volumes. Uh, Avengers World, Nick Spencer and Jonathan Hickman, uh, artist Stefano Caselli. Could be. Uh, Black Widow, Nathan Edmondson, and Phil Noto. Absolutely. Captain- yes. <laughs> uh, Captain Marvel, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick, and David Lopez. Ick. Why would I buy yes. that? <laughs> uh, Daredevil, Mark Wade and Chris Samney. Uh, Electra, Ooh. Zeb Wells, and Mike Del Mundo. Try it. Uh, Fantastic Four, James Robinson and Leonard Kirk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Inhuman, Matt Fraction and Joe Maguera. Yep. Uh, Iron Patriot, <laughs> Alesh Kot and Gary. Jerry Brown, uh, nah. Lo- Loki, Agent of Asgard, Al Ewing, an art by Lee uh, Garbutt. Could be. Uh, Moon Knight, written by Warren Ellis, artist by De- art by Declan Shelby. Yes. Uh, Miss Marvel, G. Willow Wilson, and artist by Adrian Alfona. Yes. Uh, Jersey New- City. <laughs> and I did apologize, by the way, to Jersey City in print after making a <laughs> nasty comment a couple of weeks ago. So I'll apologize to you personally, Joe. <laughs> Well, thank you. Uh, uh, new Pass my wo- apologies along to the city. Yeah, Bob said he was sorry. About <laughs> <laughs> uh, your business. <laughs> uh, new warriors: Chris Yost and uh, Marcus Toe. Uh, the Punisher: Nathan Edmondson and Mitch Garads. <laughs> Secret Avengers: Alesh Kot and Michael Walsh. She-Hulk, Charles Soule and Javier Polito. Oh yeah. Uh, Silver Surfer: Dan Slott, Mike Allred. Yep. Um, we've got uh, Wolverine, Paul Cornell, Ryan Stegman, Wolverine, the X-Men, Jason Latour, Mahmoud Asra. We already talked about that. And X-Force, Simon Spurrier and Rocky Kim. Uh, so it's a lot of books. It's a lot of books. It's a lot of books. I said yes a lot. Some of them are obviously, yeah. uh, you know, renumberings and stuff like that. But <sighs> yeah, uh, of those, I mean, for me, uh, all new invaders, uh, all new X factor are both. Uh, up there, obviously Daredevil, obviously Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, um, Avengers World. I don't think so. I'm just not. I, I don't need another Avengers book in my life, um, and I don't. I don't quite understand like what it is. You know what it's going to be. It's a cash grab. Number six. You're not into Avengers World. No. <laughs> um, I'm. St- I'm barely sticking with Mighty. Yeah. There was Which a line in one of oh, the. Oh, Mighty. I'm into Mighty though. Uh, do, well, what do you like about Mighty, Joey? I don't know. I just I, I, I bought it. I, I pulled it because of the whole, you know, we have a, a team made up of superheroes of color and it's mm. it's an urban kind of setting. I don't know. I've been enjoying it. I, I hate Greg Land's work uh, <laughs> typically, but it's been tolerable given the kind of. Um, wow. The, Ringing uh, endorsement. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, I know. Uh, but what I'm liking about Mighty is the is the cast, and and it 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 was tied up in the Infinity stuff, um, but it handled it very well. And I'm looking forward to. Unfortunately, it's now getting tied up in the Inhumanity stuff too. <laughs> so uh, it just I don't. There's really nothing that I could say that would make it seem like you should pick it up. But for <laughs> some reason, Al Ewing is making all of these tie-ins. Still finding a voice for the book. I don't know. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> no, I am too. I just want to see the book shorn of all the events. I want to see I Luke know. sitting in the coffee shop with the new Power Man talking about stuff. 
Yeah, and I was surprised that this next issue is going to be an Inhumanity tie-in because the way that the the solicits have talked about it and the way the arc is kind of going, it doesn't seem like it's going to be. But, but I don't know. Uh, Adelaide blew up, so stuff's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens coming down this next issue, which is... Mm-hmm. Is it this week? No, it's next week. I think it's next week. I think it's next, next week. week. Yeah. Um, ob- Inhuman, obviously. Super mm-hmm. excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give Loki, Agent of Asgard, a try, just because I love that character. Um, and m- the, I stopped reading uh, Mighty Avengers not because of Al Ewing's writing, but because I just don't like the art uh, very oh, much. it's terrible. <laughs> I don't even know why they give him work. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. That's terrible to say. I shouldn't say things like that, because his covers are usually pretty very, usually nice. But. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I didn't, I, I, that's why I dropped off that book. Uh, so I'm in, in, interested to see how Al Ewing tackles this Loki book. Uh, Moon Knight, uh, absolutely, that you can't say no to that creative team, at least yep. giving them a try. Um, it's a great character, as we talked about last yeah. week. There's a lot of layers to him. Yeah. So. New Warriors, I'm actually really, really excited about just because I like those teams of, of kind of ragtag characters that you can do whatever you want yeah. with. And I like yeah. Yost a lot as, as a writer. Uh, She-Hulk, obviously. Silver Surfer, obviously. Um, and I'm going to give X-Force a try for a little while, too. I, I think as a unified team, I think not splitting that brand into two books I think is a good idea. And uh, while X-Men Legacy isn't a book that I read, I uh, you know... On a regular basis, I read you know three or four issues of it, and I, I like Simon Spurrier as a writer, so I'm willing to. And Six Six Gun Gorilla is also really good, so uh, I think that I'll definitely give that a chance. Um, Steve, what are you? What what which of those books are you enticed by? I think I have a different list than you do. Okay, <laughs> I'm um, on the Wikipedia page. Oh, you're on the Wikipedia page. Yeah. All right, um, Bob, did you? You said yes to most of them. Yeah. Yes I mean, mo- mo- yeah. most most of them are are, are going to be are yeah. going to be yeses. Well, is there one or two that you're really the most excited about? She Hulk. She Hulk. Yeah, I really want She Hulk. I really want. Uh, I actually really want to check out the new uh, Ghost Rider, mm-hmm. just because I huh. I've never I've never read anything Ghost Rider before, and uh, I really, really, really have enjoyed Trad Moore's work on um, the Legend of Luther Strode. Mm-hmm. So the idea of him doing a Ghost Rider book, just from an art perspective, that intrigues me. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see what you know, what he could do with a flaming skull is probably going to be fucking awesome. So <laughs> motorcycles and stuff, uh, She Hulk for sure, Captain Marvel absolutely, Silver Surfer. I there's, there aren't even enough words in my vocabulary <laughs> to describe how excited I am for that. That's gonna be awesome. Uh, ones that I'm iffy on, I'm iffy on the Punisher just because it's gonna have to win me over from Greg Rucka's mm-hmm. run, which is the only Punisher that it I've awesome. read. But it was <laughs> yeah. so, it was so good. Yeah, it was so so good mm-hmm. that it's going to be. It's like it's, it's like somebody giving you filet mignon. And then halfway through the meal, taking it away and then handing you a thing of steakums. <laughs> not to say that it's going to be like steakums. I don't know. But I'm not familiar with the writer and I'm not 100% comfortable with the character. Mm-hmm. That I, I, it's, that's, one's going to be rough. I'm going to try a number one of all of these. So, you know, this can change. Uh, I'm kind of Avengers out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Secret Avengers, I have not been reading regularly, so I don't know that I'll jump onto it unless it really hits me. Uh, I don't even know what Avengers Undercover is. It's, you know, so Dennis Hopeless and Kev Walker do Avengers Arena right now. Right. That's ending. It ended, issue 18. It's done. Like, it's the end of the series. And they're kind of doing now 
another series that's I think kind of in the same vein, um, but now it's called Avengers Undercover. So I don't, you know, that's it's the, like the right. next volume basically of Avengers Arena, mm-hmm. but they're calling it something different every time. Um, I'd like to catch up with with Arena and mm-hmm. find out how that wrapped up before I get excited about um, another another title but again it, it could take me by surprise you never know uh loki agent of asgard i'm uh, I, i'm i'm wary i'm going definitely going to check it out but i'm a little wary um the ch- the change that he's undergone recently is i don't like the look of him necessarily mm-hmm. but if if they carry the mischief and and all those things that he's known for and they can craft a good story with it then you know of course i'll stay on but uh, there's a lot of books. Some I'm yeah. not going to be able to get all these. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Black Widow. I'm yes. so 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 looking forward to Black Widow. Mm-hmm. That, Phil Noto is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Really curious about Elektra. Mm, yeah. uh, very curious about Elektra. Never really read very much outside of maybe a Daredevil story or two with her in it. I'd be very curious to see how she handles her own book. Uh, it could be really cool. So great way to get to know a character is when they have their own book. Yeah. So right. um, that's cool. Avengers World, because it's Hickman and Spencer together, I will I will most definitely give it a decent shot. Uh, if I feel like it's too much after a while, maybe I'll drop it, but I highly doubt it. Mm-hmm. Um, is Hickman writing or producing? I think he's like plotting. He's helping to mm-hmm. co-plot okay. and Spencer's writing issue to issue. Um, you know, my problem is that I don't think it's going to be good. My problem is just that it's with already with Avengers and new Avengers yeah. and whatever thing that's going on around Avengers that's going to mm. be there. Like I don't buy Avengers assemble, even though I know that book is very good because mm. I just can't afford to to, to buy it and add right. it to that, that, that list of books I already buy. So that's where Avengers world is kind of, is getting the snack for me because I don't see what sets it apart right. for, from the other books. Um, absolute yes for all new X factor. Yep. Um, kind of meh on iron Patriot. I just don't. I don't get it. I don't know why you do that. But I mean, it might be excellent. I, it could be. Yeah, you it know, could but. be. But I mean, I I couldn't get into Gillen's Iron Man, which is mm. strange because I love Gillen, but yeah. I just whether it was uh, Greg Land's art or just yeah, that was Greg Land's art. It's horrible. Well, no, that was a no. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. a big part of it yeah. for me. I, I I couldn't. That was like my my. I don't think it was my first introduction to him, but it was the first time that it was put right in front of me, and I was kind of like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this obviously hey, a, that series though. Really picked up when the new artist joined on. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but mm. it's really good. Yeah, but by, I mean, by that time, it had already lost me. Yeah. You yeah. Know? It was oh, so that's far in. That's, that's the problem with Greg Land. <laughs> it's the <laughs> anti-Greg <laughs> Land podcast. Yes. Um, I mean, Iron Patriot is written by Leshcott, so it's something that... I love a Leshcott. Yeah. I, I, li- I like him a lot. Yeah, yeah. I like him a lot. If um, Who's the artist? Uh, Gary... Brown, I don't know who that is. So All right, I'm not familiar with him. Um, not Greg Land. Not Greg Land. So, stake <laughs> with a less, with like I said, I'm going to be giving all of these, uh, you know, a number one, and and mm. seeing which ones uh, I'll continue on with. I mean, if so many things are are ending and other mm. things are taking their place, I mean, Wolverine the X Men, I will definitely read. I don't know that I'll read the solo Wolverine book. I get enough Wolverine in every other Marvel book that I buy. Um. But yeah, I mean, every everything gets a number one because everything deserves a chance, mm-hmm. and it's there's something to be said for moving past the number one and and giving something you know two or three issues to really get going. But with how many are coming out and some other titles that I'm already collecting still continuing, you know, Marvel is uh, 
getting real up and personal with my wallet there. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, I gladly surrendered my barely earned money, but, um, it's just, it's a lot to take, it's a lot to take in. And if it's all going to be coming out within weeks of each other, it's, it's rough. It's really rough. <laughs> it is really rough. You know, the other day, yeah. I mean, how this past Wednesday yeah. was a killer. <laughs> it was a killer. And it's all stuff that I'm legitimately reading. I've actually managed to knock down my list mm-hmm. and give some things up. It's still ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So this past week was crazy. Uh, Joey, I mean, you said to, I heard you chime in on Black Widow. Very interested in that. Why? What's, yeah. what, what's about that book that has got you so excited? Uh, partly the Phil Noto art. Um, I'm blanking on who's writing it. Oh, Nathan Edmondson, mm-hmm. right? Is that his? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nathan Edmondson did Dancer, mm-hmm. I believe, yeah. which actually is probably exactly what Black Widow's going to be like. There was the whole <laughs> ballerina thing, and there was the dancing, and then there were sniper rifles and cybernetics. It's actually probably exactly what it's going to be like. Uh, so... Um, I'm really excited for that. Miss Marvel, obviously, not only because it's in Jersey City, but because of the Captain Marvel stuff. Um, and the Captain Marvel and all new X Factor. Pretty much a lot of the things that I've already been reading that are just getting relaunched. I don't know if I'll be picking up any sort of new books like the Electra and, and any of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing now that Lescott is doing some of those those books, though, I didn't know about that before, so I might look at those just because I'm really liking uh, that series he's doing for Image right now. Zero? Um, zero. Oh, my God. Zero is awesome. Yeah. Uh, so so maybe I'll take a look at, at those. Um, just to, to, to make your life a little bit worse, Steve, the, a lot of the all-new Now books are being released twice the first month that they're out. Mm-hmm. So like there'll be two Black Widow books in January and like two <laughs> X Factor books in January. So all right, so that that'll be fun. Marvel now, uh, now with more now. Yeah. yeah, Marvel now and then now again, right? Yeah. So so uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. There's that I didn't realize that there were so many books. Yeah, um, Bring but I'll it just on. Be, essentially be continuing or maybe picking back up series that I was already interested in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Cool. All right. So uh, we have a question here. This is from Johnny McDonald uh, at Johnny Mac eight on, on Twitter. And he says, I want to get my nephew a trade paperback uh, for Christmas. Do I go with Batman? I'm assuming he means like the Scott Snyder Batman or the uh, trade of the walking dead. How old is this kid? Yeah, I was just going to not that. say, but oh. I'm guessing at least mature enough to read either one of those books because they're both not uh, really for, for children. Uh, Joey, what would you go with? Uh, when he says trade paperback, does he mean like Compendium One of The Walking Dead? Joey, I have like... I have just what I read to you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have 140 with... characters. <laughs> I would go with uh, Batman. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I just voted that way, but that's <laughs> what my gut's telling me, and, and that's what I'm going to go with. All right, Batman. Well, let's say Volume One of each because that's what all we have to go off of right here. Um, Batman. Yeah. All right. Ooh, that's the problem because you only get half that story, kind of right. You get the first six. Yeah, but I mean, is it Batman you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, you can buy the next one if he wants. Okay, he can buy it himself. All right, I'll go with that. I'll vote Batman then, too. All right. Steve? Batman. Yeah, I would would agree with that. And not, listen, I haven't read any of The Walking Dead, so it's tough for me to um, chime in on that. I have. I'm all all caught up. You've read it all. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, me too. It's, uh, first of all, it's a lot of investment. And I think that it's, I think it's a great, first if you're getting if it's a if he's new to comics or if uh he knows the characters well i think that he'll 
like Batman more, especially because I mean, he loves the Walking Dead TV show. It's going to be a lot different reading that reading yeah. that book. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to get the same uh, feelings, I think, out of, of that book as he got out of the TV show. Um, and Batman, the character, is so nebulous and everywhere and been so many different incarnations, even in mm-hmm. mass media, that I think it's easier for people to just read that and be like, okay, this isn't Christian Bale, huh. but I get it. It's Batman. Yeah. Hey, have they It'll collected... be easier for him to catch up, too. Yeah, absolutely. Have they collected Court of Owls as one book with the trade... Yes. You know, the trade with the sideline issues and whatever would yeah. be... That'd be mm-hmm. a good thing to pick up. Yeah, they're they're through Death of the Family now, I think, that are, are released. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty yep. much oh, up really? against... Um, yeah, the only thing that hasn't out, isn't out yet is... Uh, Silent City, I think, is the first uh, is the first zero year arc. Oh yes. Um, and I, right now we're into Dark City, so I think that that's the only thing they haven't caught up with yet. Okay. Is is that? Uh, yeah, because I think like all of the Batman trades were in the top ten bestseller list. Oh, I don't mean now. I just mean that the Death of the Family. Yeah, oh, I know they yeah. did a, an omnibus. I, did yeah. they do one for Court of the Owls? Oh, Court of the Owls. Well? They did. Yes, they did. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure if it collects the Batman issues and the tie-in issues all in one book, but there's definitely one book that's all Court of the Court of Owls tie-in issues. Okay. In one in one trade. And don't get huh. both because then he'll just he'll be torn and he won't be he he won't be know <laughs> what side to edge on. <laughs> now, Walking Walking Dead is a it's a fun read. But it's um, people consuming. Are, yeah, it's consuming, but it's also a little repetitive in its in its storytelling and its nature. It is a, it's fun. It's yeah. awesome. It's still. I, there was a time when I was kind of falling off of it, uh, especially with it coming out biweekly. Now things are are really starting to pick up steam. Uh, yeah. it's it's really good, but. Batman, I think, is more of a... Well, I don't even know if I could say this anymore, that Batman's more of a... I mean, it's certainly more iconic and more of a conversation piece with mm. more people, but so many people watch The Walking Dead now that you could probably talk about Walking Dead with people and they'd be like, oh. oh. Yeah, but it's still Batman. But it's so it's <laughs> yeah. so yeah. radically different from the television show that if he picks up the book, it might not have that same impact. Right, yeah. That's what. That's mm-hmm. my only issue. I think with that, with that, mm-hmm. is that is that difference between the, the two uh, subject matters. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I hope. I think either one, you're going to be fine. But I, I, we all are saying Batman. That's Batman. Um, Batman. So uh, I can't really answer this question very well, but I think that Joey might be able to answer this question. Um, okay. uh, L Stony uh, on Twitter says. Uh, what would be your X Force dream team? His is Cable, Iceman, Colossus, Gambit, and Psylocke. Ooh, how obscure! I know. Uh, <laughs> um, Cable has to be on it because he's like X Force, like he's the guy. It's like OG X Force. <laughs> yeah. Um, I liked. Uh, I've been reading the the cape. What's it called? Is it called Cable in the X Force? Is that what yeah. the yeah. book is called right now? Um, I liked that they brought in. Domino and Boom Boom. Is that she goes by Boom Boom? Yeah, it's now, Boom Boom. Yeah, yep. I like awesome that they brought name. her yep. back. Um, I'm, maybe I'm just gonna like do the original team, which was Shatterstar and and uh, uh, Richter? Richter from X Factor. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, it's weird that those are the names that I that I that I pick up, but I feel like that was the X Force and like Cannonball and Sunspot were on it as well. Yeah, they're that new team, mutants that was a good to me team. though. Mm. Yeah, the, the, the original new, yeah, mutants, the new yeah. mutants team became the X yeah. the X Force. Yeah, interesting. Gotcha. I mean, the only X Force one I've ever read is the Remender stuff. 
So yeah. to me, that like that's like the TMI picture uh, in my head. Um, but yeah, that, that's why I wanted to ask you because I know you have a, a long history reading the, those those books. I mean, Bob, I know you're not a big X Force fan, but do you have a, a team that you could think of there? Nope. Okay. <laughs> no, that's when I started drifting. Yeah. Pouches mm-hmm. and guns and leather <laughs> jackets and, and all yeah, that I didn't, stuff. Yeah, I didn't read any of that stuff, but but it is kind of like iconic. That was part of that lead into Age of Apocalypse and all of that yeah. coming out of the New Mutants era. So mm-hmm. that's what I think of when I think of that stuff. Um, so let's see here. Um, oh, well, Dyer Harris wants us to know, if anyone is thinking about getting into anime, starting this Saturday, Cartoon Network will start showing movies, starting with Akira. Sweet. Wow. Oh. So that's pretty cool. Canada! <laughs> Help me! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love that movie. Um, I couldn't tell. Um, so uh, Leonardo Nieves says, I'm watching Arrow. Now, this is the funny reason why. Only because Steve said it was good. Ha! Wow! <laughs> turns, out he's some, nice. turns out he's somewhat right. Lots of the characters <laughs> are... <laughs> Lots of the characters are different from the comic, very different. I understand that it's gonna be, com- it's not gonna be completely faithful, but doesn't it bother you guys when they change characters completely for a movie or a TV show, Steve? I do not read Green Arrow, mm-hmm. so I have almost no frame of reference. Uh, I've only encountered so- some of the guest characters, some of the returning characters, Deathstroke, uh, Black Canary is now a part of the show. These are characters that I've only had so much exposure to, so I have nothing to hold them against. Mm -hmm. That there's nothing to be, there's no history to be disappointed and Mm -hmm. be like, ah, but they doesn't do this or he Mm -hmm. doesn't do that or you know that's not his origin. Blah blah blah. Uh, I don't know any of that stuff, and I I will. Arrow is one of those shows. It has gotten so much better in the second season. There are still a any number of things that irritate me about it, but it is completely one of those uh, like guilty pleasure watches. I'm watching a lot of shows right now, mm-hmm. uh, but I like plowed through Arrow because so many people were writing into the site and kind of I was talking about it online because mm-hmm. I was trying to get through it. And the first season, the beginning was really rough, and there were things that I almost couldn't tolerate. People kept pushing me to stay with it, stay with it, stay with it. I did. Now I'm actually watching it. I'm all caught up. I look forward to each episode. But in a, some people were trying to tell me that it's it's the best show on television. That's personal opinion. You yeah. Can't, you can't tell them it's not, though. No. I, yeah. I said I don't yeah. think it yeah. is. They're allowed to think that it is. That's, <laughs> you know, you could think whatever is the best show on television. Um, but I, I think it's fun and I think that if nothing else, it is doing a bit of world building that I thought that I would get out of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that I haven't got from it yet. Mm -hmm. And I like Arrow a little bit more than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in regard that, I feel like things are happening and things are characters being introduced. The flash is now coming in. Uh, Some of the more annoying characters don't play as much of a role as they did in the first season. And to be honest, the very last episode that had just aired maybe two weeks ago, I think they took a week off. um, The final moment of it surprised the shit out of me. And if my theory is correct and they're actually going to introduce another place or another element into the DC universe by way of arrow by having a character return. If you catch my drift, Hmm. that's pretty awesome. 
So I just Arrow's actually doing things mm-hmm. uh, with their show, and I think it's a it's becoming something pretty cool. So it doesn't bother you that they change characters, or it does? Because his question is. Does it, does it bother you when they change characters completely for a movie or a TV show? Oh, I'm not, sorry. Not specifically Arrow. Does it bother me? No. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> I just want to make sure we answer. You know this me. I, I rant. Uh, and make sure you answer this question. I'm a question. Bob in the making. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'll say no. Honestly, as long as the tone and tenor and the characteristics that make up the, your your lead in the show. Hugh to what came before. I understand it's a different medium. Mm. Honestly, if there was ever a novel directly made into a movie, it'd be the first time, Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. So I'm sure yeah. authors of those books say the same thing. Mm. It's a matter of getting it right. And mm. it's not that the costume details are right. It's mm. that the character acts the way they're supposed mm-hmm. to act. And I can deal with some issues. You know, I showed Steve the first Birds of Prey. And did I want the real Black Canary? Yes. Mm. But they set in place as that series went on, that yes, you would see her because you did. Mm-hmm. And that this young girl who's her daughter could be the heir to the throne. And in that sense, in the comic books, the Black Canary was a mother-daughter legacy yeah. hero. Yeah. So there it was. They just mm. they, You had to get to it eventually. Right. A change for the sake of change I don't like. Mm-hmm. A change that's organic and reasonable and stays within the boundaries of where the book is, I'm happy with. Joy, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with Bob there. As long as it's staying true to at least like the kind of uh, heart of the character, what the character stands for, they they can change whatever they want. You look at some of the changes that were made in the X-Men movies, which Mm -hmm. weren't, that did not meet that criteria, or some of the changes in some of the more recent um, Superman movies (laughs) uh, uh, that weren't, that, Hmm. that, that... that made me a little uncomfortable, but you know, you look at some of the changes and some of the changes that are rumored to be happening in like the second Avengers movie with Ultron, mm-hmm. as long as they fit the character, as long as they fit the world, as long as they fit kind of the, the, to use Bob's language, the tone and tenor, I, I don't really care. And as long as it's a good movie or a good show, yeah. I think that, that, that was the problem with the, some of the X-Men changes. It mm-hmm. just didn't mean anything and it didn't lead to a better product. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think Bob said it absolutely right. If it's change for the sake of change, it's not worth doing to me. I mean, if it's change and it elevates the thing you're doing, if, it, if, if that's the, the, the key that unlocks the mystery of how to make this thing that is a, a static, inanimate image and words on a page and makes it a living, breathing thing with people a, a, on a screen, then I think it's worth it. Then I think you do it. Um and if also, if you're telling a certain story, let's say, in Arrow with Oliver and what he's doing, if the origin of a certain character that does, doesn't quite fit with the origin you're telling of Oliver, then yeah, go ahead and change it and tweak it and make it your own universe, you know? It's much easier to swallow than when it's, like like I said, comics are this very singular beast where they're constantly coming out and they're constantly building on stuff that's been around for a very long time so and there's constantly a chance for people to change things that have come before and that stuff is much harder to swallow right when the medium in which it was born from drastically changes who those characters are but in a, in a show or in a movie i think every like i'm just gonna go everybody said if, if if it works it works you know there, there are times where it just doesn't work and, and that's more of a feeling i think than like a set guideline you know because sometimes you can tell people like oh 
uh, we're not going to do this origin. You know, Ultron's no longer going to be made from Hank Pym. And like, those are like central things to that character. But if they do that movie and it works, that's all, that's all you care about. Since we haven't introduced Henry Pym yet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're sort of stuck. And so the big scientist on that side of the Marvel movie ledger is Tony. Yeah. Fine. Go for it. Mm Mm-hmm. When you make Doctor Doom into evil businessman, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just a piece of crap. Yeah, it it, it ruins yeah. the the majesty that character had mm-hmm. for the sake of well, businessmen are evil. Yeah, we'll, we'll put him in there. We'll make yeah. him that. Ugh. Well, that, that was that was sacrificed on the altar of the oh, people don't. I don't want it to be too comic superhero or yeah. comic yeah. booky, so we got to change it. You know, that's where that stuff gets sacrificed to. Uh, and they've stopped doing that a lot of the ways, you know, what, whatever you can say, the reason for Superman thing that happened is it's not because they want to make it less comic booky. You know, it was, a, a, in our opinion, a bad choice, but it's not a choice made out of that. You know, so I, right. I, I, I think that uh, what's going to come forward with all this other stuff with Arrow, we'll have to see. But I think it's a case by case basis. I don't think it bothers any of us right off the bat. Um, now, in the show, his origin he begins on an island it's the same his, or- his goes, origin that is, goes back to yeah his, yeah he he's 50s origin he's on a an expedition or or a business like trip with his father mm. and the they get caught in a storm mm. and he gets you know blown off mm. the boat and wakes up on an island and is essentially rescued and then trained tortured and put through the mill and then makes his way back to starling city and feels a a debt and mm. and feels that he failed the city and basically that he's been living his life as a douche mm. and he needs to atone for that and make up for that and he needs to protect not just his family but the city as well and it starts off with him killing cuz he was trained on the island to you know lethally and to mm. kill and what I, I mean, one of the aspects I like about the show is that we've reached the point where he's deciding not to. Mm-hmm. He's not killing, mm-hmm. and he's he's right. restraining yeah. himself. And you've seen him go through a metamorphosis, especially from one season to the next, where he's just he's approaching situations differently. And I didn't like him at first, and I didn't like him on the show at first because I thought he was an asshole. And that's who he is on the show. I mean, that's who he's supposed to be. And everybody kept telling me that, you know, Oliver Queen, you know, it's just a facade. He's not really a, you know, a, a raving douchebag and a party guy and blah, blah, blah. That's his his mask. Yeah, that's so his, to speak. Like, his Bruce Wayne playboy right. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, even that's been kind of toned down because he's had enough time being back and he's been in one situation after another that he can kind of drop the douchebag act a little bit now because he can use his time back from the island as an excuse to like, you know, these situations with the city falling apart, mm-hmm. that it's changed who I am. Mm-hmm. And it's it's good. Yeah. It really is. And I was not against it, but I was really not impressed with it. And things about it really bothered me. And now I'm the things that I like about it far outweigh the negative, yeah. and I'm actually really enjoying it. I don't, I don't, and I don't think it's Ollie's origin that uh, that I don't think Leonardo is specifically referencing. I think there's other side lesser characters oh, okay. that have been changed yeah. dramatically that he's probably talking about because the Ollie stuff is that so the slight details are different, but the idea of it's the same. No. You know, um, I'm more upset they changed the name of the city. Yeah, that really makes me. I'll never watch it. 
<laughs> What's the original name of the city? Star City. Star City. You obviously have to change that to Starling City. That's much better. <laughs> Sounds like I'll move Dalek. it six inches. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird. I'll that's move a weird it change. Six inches over here. It'll be better. Uh, so uh, we'll wrap up with this. Bryce Logan says, "I just got my first tattoo of Doctor Manhattan symbol from Watchmen." Oh, wow. I saw it. I saw a picture. Not on his head, one hole. <laughs> yeah, right in the, right <laughs> no, in the center of his forehead. No, I think he got it on his arm. Okay, that's better. He painted himself blue. <laughs> and he stood there naked, floating in the in midair. I just got my first tattoo of Doctor Manhattan symbol from Watchmen, and I was wondering if any of you guys have tattoos, Steve. <laughs> uh, yes, I have many. I have many tattoos. I've actually lost count. Um, I have a. That's not good. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's all right. There'll you be can't more. Can't see some of them. Uh, what do I have? Really quick, I have a. I have um a sleeve. I have a, a half sleeve actually on my right arm, of the. Uh, if anybody's familiar with Alex Gray, he's an artist that has worked with the band Tool on their Lateralis album as well as 10,000 Days. And he had a um, painting of a skull that he did with a, a fetus inside. And so I have the skull with the fetus that the umbilical cord is actually attached to the eye socket. And the skull is basically woven into um, this sacred geometric symbol and it's, it's a whole story. Anyway, I have... I'm having a nightmare tonight now. <laughs> <laughs> Skulls and fetus. And- um, I have, an, I have a, a tattoos on my forearms. One of them is called the Vajra. It is basically the four elements and then a fifth, uh, which is supposed to channel positive energy and basically lend to your creativity. I'm right-handed. I write with my uh, right hand. I draw with my right hand. So all the positive energy and all the positive things that happen to me in life, the Vajra catches them and basically transmutes them into positive energy, which then flows out of my hand when I write or draw and try to do positive things. I have another tattoo of a heart made out of uh, folded angel wings that are on fire. I got that for my 25th birthday to symbolize um, when I was younger, I had two open heart surgeries and I was not supposed to be alive past the age of 16. I am now 32 years old going on 33. I am fucking awesome and eternal, mm-hmm. apparently. Um, nice. I have, yeah, <laughs> uh, I have the tree of life on my spine. I have a rib cage on the small of my back. I have my own original artwork. I have a rabbit. I have a cat. I have a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really, really want, I can take photos and and I'll link you to a post somewhere. You should have gotten a tattoo of a rib cage on your rib cage. I should have. Um, <laughs> like those t-shirts of the yeah, skeletons. Exactly. Yeah. Double no. rib cage. Yeah, I mean I've got I've got ideas, but I'm because of all this comic stuff, I now want I want to like get a commission mm-hmm. and ask someone to to do it and then get that on me. I'm actually thinking of uh commissioning Menton for a epic uh wraparound Fantastic Four uh piece on my leg. Cool. Yeah, mm. wow. should get the Spider-Man mask tattooed on your face. No thanks. <laughs> no facial tattoos. I have no. I have no piercings. Mm. I have no piercings. Um, huh. But I have. I have about eleven or twelve um, different areas of my body that are tattooed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. Um, I do not have any tattoos. I. I'm. I. I can't commit to something like that because what if I don't like it in a year? I'll like. I just can't do it. It's a yeah. I mean, it's a commitment and a half. I know, and I just don't have that ability in, in me uh, to do it. Um, Bob, you don't have any tattoos. I have a picture of Stan Lee over my heart. No, I don't really. <laughs> um, my oh, actually, I forgot to mention. Um, really quick, my favorite one uh, that I have is actually on my forearm, and it's a 
uh, my dad used to draw this character. He kind of looks like a grasshopper with a martini glass, and he's kind of he's kind of hammered. He's standing around. Um, I took a drawing that he had done uh, before he passed away, and I just shrunk it down. It has all the imperfections. Everything I changed nothing about it, and I I put it on my arm, and it's funny. Out of all the things that I have, and all the things that are visible on me when I'm wearing a, a short sleeve shirt, that is the one that everyone gravitates to, and that's my my favorite one that I have. Cool, awesome, Joey. Do you have any tattoos? No, I'm definitely afraid of needles. Cool, I am also afraid of needles. That's the other reason why I don't have any. Tattoos. <laughs> I find well, it I'll to get, be. I'll get Cyclops was right tattooed on my chest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when I when I get tattoos, I find it to be very cathartic. Mm. I I it's like an out of body experience. Mm. It's not so much painful as it is annoying. Mm. When I go to like a like a blood bank or something, and I see yeah. take nope. the needle out, I like like almost nope. faint from looking mm. at it. I'm painting right now. <laughs> We lost Joey. Needles are fun. Yeah, I've yeah, I've yeah, been around them man. for a long time, oh so God. they they don't bother me. And my my artist uh, Cheryl Teruli is absolutely amazing. It's an all female um, tattoo shop. She's been my friend for years. She does incredible work. Hmm. Wait a minute. Maybe I should go get a tattoo. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, you should do the uh, wedding ring tattoo. That's what you should. Do. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah man. That would be epic. That's Let's not joke. There, there's some bad things could be said there, and we'll just. <laughs> that's, be that's one quiet. that I, w- I could. I would do. That's one I can. I, I can commit to that one. Okay. I would do that one. So. Yeah. All right. Um, awesome. Well, that's gonna wrap it up for listener questions uh, for today, and that will wrap it up for the podcast. Um, just so you guys know, remember, stay tuned after the the final uh, song. Uh, Joey's going to step out, but the three of us are going to talk about Infinity in, in a more spoilery uh, way. If you guys want to get in touch with us, it's at Talking Comics on Twitter uh, and Facebook.com slash Talking Comics. Uh, TalkingComicBooks.com is uh, the website. Um, and email us, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com for an email address. Um, my personal email, email my personal email, Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve. Mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Joey. At Joey Bracino, B-R-A-C-C-I-N-O. And Bobby email address. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. All right, awesome. And guys, so you know, um, our end of the year uh, award show stuff is coming up uh, very, very soon. I put the call out on Twitter and Facebook for people to let us know books that we make sure that uh, we check out or at least talk about on the show so that they're represented. Um, those threads are still up. I mean, Twitter, obviously, anytime, but the Facebook post is still there. So answer on there and get back to us there. Um, you know, we're going to be probably recording all of that stuff on the, I think what we said, the two weeks from now. Uh, so just make sure you kind of get it to us this week or something like that so we, we, we can have a chance to, to check it out. Uh, and again, stay tuned after the, the song for uh, some... Oh, new releases. That's right. I, I've totally forgot about new releases. <laughs> um, nothing's good to come out this week. The comic books, they're in a store. After the new release. Yay! Yeah. Um, all right, I got to get the, the thing up now. <laughs> so should I talk about my tattoos some more? No, it's all right. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Uh, all right, here we go. This is on the shelves uh, right now. Um, from Arkea Entertainment, we have Hawken Melee. Uh, from Archie Comics, we have Archie number 650. Um, from Avatar Press, we've got Absolution, Happy Kitty Special, number one, God is Dead, number four, and Red Rover Charlie, number one of six. Uh, from Boom Studios, we've got uh, Garfield, number 20, 
Hero Bear and the Kid, The Inheritance, number five of five. Regular Show, number seven. Robocop, Last Stand, number five. Six Gun Gorilla, number six. And Suicide Risk, number eight. Um, From Dark Horse Comics, we've got Catalyst Comics, number six. Doors Open at Midnight, number three of eight. Hellboy in Hell, number five. We've got Michael Avonoming's The Victories, number seven. Occultist, number three of five. Uh, We've got The Star Wars, number four of eight. Terminator Salvation, The Final Battle, number one. Um, From DC Comics, we have Action Comics, number 26. We've got Batman Superman, number six. We've got uh, Batwing, number 26. Uh, We've got Detective Comics, number 26. Earth 2, number 18. Ferrist, number 21. Green Arrow, number 26. Green Lantern, number 26. Hinterkind, number three. Looney Tunes, number 216. The Movement, number seven. Uh, we've got Stormwatch, <laughs> number 26. Swamp Thing, number 26. Trillium, number five of eight. And Trinity of Sin, The Phantom Stranger, number 14. Bum, bum, bum. Um, from Diamond Entertainment, we have Ash and the Army of Darkness, number two. Battlestar Galactica, number six. Black Bat, number seven. Deja Thoris and the Green Men of Mars, number five of 12. Um, Kevin Smith's The Bionic Man, number 26. Legends of Red Sonia, number two. Oops. Uh, Lone Ranger, number 20. Uh, Lords of Mars, number 5. Mocking Dead, number 4. Noir, number 2. Um, and uh, I think that is it. Wait, no. Shadow Now, number 3. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Vampirella, Southern Gothic, number 1. Um, what did you say oops before, Bob? I don't know. Tired. All right. IDW, we have Dead World Restoration, number 1 of 4. Dinosaurs Attack, number 5. Doctor Who, number 16. Um, we've got G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number 197. Judge Dredd, number 14. We've got um, Star Trek Khan, number 3 of 5. Uh, we've got um, Star Trek The Next Generation, Doctor Who Assimilation Squared, number 8 of 8. I feel like that last book came out like Two a year ago. ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Villain Micro Series, number 8. Uh, we've got Transformers. More than meets the eye. That is correct. Number 24. <laughs> three in a row. It's three in a row. Well, I've got to see there's a rhythm to it now. There is, yeah. <laughs> uh, Triple Helix, number three. Yes. Uh, from Image Comics, we have a Burn the Orphanages. Burn the Orphanages. Burn the Orphanage, <laughs> singular. Born to Lose. <laughs> Just one of them. Number you know. two of three. Bad enough. We'll uh, do this quietly. Yeah. Carbon Gray, volume three, number one. Um, we've got Elephant Men, number 52, Great Pacific, number 12, Invincible Universe, number 8. Um, we've got Profit, number 41, Reality Check, number 4 of 4, Spawn, number 238, Think Tank, number 11, and Velvet, number 2. Oh, nice. Um, from Marvel Comics, we have Amazing Spider-Man, number 700.1, um, which I think we had a listener actually ask about that, I think, two weeks ago. Um, their new stories... But they're pre-Octavius stories. Somebody tweeted uh, Dan Slott saying, uh, you've got to stop confusing my kid. They had a coloring (laughs) book, and it was a a big splash page of Doc Ock, and the kid colored him in uh, Spider-Man colors and (laughs) drew the spider on his chest. Oh, that's really funny. Um, Amazing X-Men number two. Uh, We've got Avengers Annual 2013, number one. Uh, We've got Cataclysm, The Ultimate's Last Stand, number two. Uh, Daredevil Dark Knights, number seven of eight. Deadpool, number 20. Uh, Deadpool Kills Deadpool, the trade paperback. 
Um, we've got Phantom X Max number three of four. Uh, the, the final issue of Fearless <laughs> Defenders. Fearless <laughs> Defenders number 12. Wow. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy number nine. Yes. Indestructible Hulk annual number one. Inhumanity number one. Yes. Uh, Iron Man number 19. Longshot Saves the Marvel Universe number three of four. Marvel Knights Spider-Man number three. Marvel Knights X-Men number two. Um, nice. We've got Secret Avengers number 12. Uh, Painkiller Jane, The Price of Freedom number two of four. Uh, Superior Spider-Man number 23 because it comes out every week. Um, we've got uh, X-Men Legacy number 21 and Young Avengers number 13. What's up with yes. Superior Spider-Man? I thought it was bi-weekly. Usually it is, but... What is going on? Um, it's a holiday. Yeah. And but there was another one that you read that I was really surprised is already on the way. I think we had it like two weeks ago. I don't know. Young Avengers was like two weeks ago. Yeah, Young Avengers two weeks ago. There's another one? Yeah, number 13. What the... <laughs> Marvel <laughs> taking our money sneaky bastards um, got Kwame and Woody number 6 and Shadow Man number 13 uh, from Valiant and we've got uh, Grim Fairy Tales presents the holiday special 2013 uh, Realm Knights number 4 Wonderland number 18 and Hit List number 3 all from Zenoscope Entertainment some stockings are going to get stuffed <laughs> how do you mean that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's ex- let's explore that comment. Yeah, <laughs> just making a joke. I'm I sure love these on Big boobs on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's gonna do it for releases. Now we can end the show. I'm not saying all our things again. No. Yeah. It's at Tongue Comics on Twitter. They'll follow us on Twitter, guys. Um, <laughs> so that is gonna yeah, do yes. it. Um, for this week's uh, Talking Comics. Uh, Joey, first of all, thank you so much for stepping in and joining us. Uh, great to talk to you as always. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Um, so for Steve. Yo. Bob. Good night. And Joey. Adios. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. Right. Everybody's gone. Who's going to know the end of Infinity? Good, because we're going to talk about the end of Infinity. Um, So it wrapped up. We we got our general impressions uh, earlier in the show, but now we're going to talk about more um, intensive opinions here and kind of get into details. So the the first thing I want to ask you guys, um, the end of the the last issue, we deal with, um, obviously, Thanos being uh, trapped and uh, Thane kind of going off. Now we get we get several yeah. little now tendrils coming out here, right? So Thane is now kind of the son of Thanos is now going to basically be Thanos. Yes, he's taken on the legacy. Yeah, of his he's dad. got uh, the Whisperer. I don't remember his his name. Yeah. He's one of those. The Ebony Maw. Is he Ebony Maw? I believe so. Okay, I don't. I never can't remember which one which one is which. Actually, the Ebony Maw might be dead. Yeah, one of them is dead. So maybe he's his brother <laughs> <laughs> i don't know they say the front there's so looking, many i'm looking for the chart this. here yeah. oh like you mean that the roving cast of yes. characters and usually Hickman's. they always have like his like generals at, at, the, at the top um oh, the, the, the black, black order dwarf. black it's, dwarf it's black dwarf no 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 it's no it's, black dwarf 
It is Ebony Maw. Black yeah. Dwarf. It is. Black Dwarf is like the Dark Souls character. That <laughs> he his. I mean, we're talking spoilers. His death was gnarly. Yeah, I loved it. Um, but they all sound like Muse albums and songs. They do. <laughs> Corvius Glaive, Proxima Midnight, Ebony Maw, Black Dwarf, and Supergiant. Um, so, Sounds like a supermarket. Yeah, yeah. So the Ebony Maw goes off with Thane to basically. He's whispering to him. He's basically turning him into a villain. That, that's what he. That's what he's doing. With one final good act. With my final good it act, t- yeah. Takes out his father and yeah. goes on to be a villain. Yeah. Ah, it's very Shakespearean. Absolutely it is. Um, we get that. We get the, And then we get the basically the way Avengers number one started with Hickman, which is all of this, like, it was good, it's going to be horrible um, voiceover yep. stuff, uh, you know, which is talking about the, the kind of tendrils and the things that have uh, come out. Uh, 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 of uh, Infinity, which are, it seems like, you know, the Kree are going to be up to no good, the Skrulls going to be up to no good, uh, but Annihilus and the Annihilation Wave are now in our universe and free, and bad stuff is going to happen. They're a bad group of people. We saw what they did to Johnny Storm, going yeah. back in Hickman's other book. So, what I want to ask you guys about this, and we'll get into more, we get into details about the actual other stuff. Oh, we also get the, the faking of the death uh, of Black Bolt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this leaded into inhumanity, and he meant to do what he was going to do. He's always going to do it. Plans. Now, one of the things we always talk about at the, at because the, plans because plans, plans at the at the end of these events is that they lead into so many things and don't close themselves off. Now, we talked about general liking this before, but do you think all of these tendrils um, add to it, or do, does it leave you feeling like okay, you just m- want me to buy another? Three hundred dollars worth of books because this ended. Just well, ended. There's a lot of that always yeah. because that's the nature of comics. Now. Yeah, absolutely. That said, this strikes me as better than artificially changing everything because we feel like we have to. Mm-hmm. We got to the end of an event, so we have to blow up the universe or start again or whatever. Even though some of this, the, the tie-in events to the cataclysm hunger thing that were going on, yeah. that we thought were going to happen, kind of didn't. Yeah, that stayed off on its own with the Angela mm-hmm. revelation over there. Mm-hmm. We're going to see in the next couple of months what's going to happen with the Fantastic Four and how mm-hmm. that time travel thing ties into this. We have built a new set of parameters for the Inhumans. Mm-hmm. They're the mutants that were eliminated right. way back with mm-hmm. no more mutants. Mm-hmm. So now we have all these new fun characters to play with mm-hmm. in a very political way. Mm-hmm. And where did these come from? What's Maximus doing now? All of a sudden mm-hmm. he's back on the throne, maybe, right. kind of? He's not a guy you want to trust. <laughs> So you get him going along with Kree and Skrulls are not happy and Annihilus is all over the place and we still have going on in New Avengers all those incursions and Namor and T'Challa and the Illuminati and Doctor Strange is all messed up. There are, there are lots of new storylines moving forward and they do seem more organic than tacked on afterwards, to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of what Bob said, if not all of it. I... Uh, I at least feel that by the end of this, that what I had read was certainly worth the read and that it it does have a very natural progression. I think also because it incorporated so many iconic characters all being in the same situation. I love the the thing that I love most of all about this that I, I really did not see coming was the banding together of all of the different species, races, worlds, uh, multiverses, 
and the, the the hierarchies kind of being all brought down to the same level or all you know raising up to the same level but the respect that was shown to Captain America and to the Avengers that a lot of these people that have been after them for a long time they conceded to the idea that or the fact that we us being you know on the Avengers side they always prevail mm-hmm. And one of the things we were talking about earlier with the new series and, you know, what is Avengers World? What is Avengers World? One of the things that throughout Infinity or in one, I wish I could remember which issue it was, but somebody, they were going around on different planets when they were, it was like that wrap up where you got six pages of them going to different places and kind of cleaning up and taking care of business and getting rid of the threat once they had figured out how to, you know, break the mm. the line or whatever yep. that they were putting up flags and they were saying, you know, it's our world is an Avengers world. Mm-hmm. Um, so if Avengers world could maybe be the book where all of those different worlds or nations or realities or whatever are all kind of under the same Avengers banner or mm-hmm. flag working together and doing like multiple multi, you know, multitasking mm-hmm. throughout the universes it could be really cool. Mm. I, I don't still don't know what the hell that book is. Yeah. It's just another Avengers title right yeah. now in my head. But um, if that's what that turns out to be, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some aspects of the story that I felt, not that I didn't care about them, but I just wasn't, whatever happened to that part of the universe, I wasn't as enthralled with it as I was in other aspects. Mm-hmm. You know, Um but it's more it's more about the camaraderie and coming coming under the same reason for fighting mm. that I really enjoyed about the event. Instead of everyone going for each other's throats, people that have been at war with each other for millennia mm. had to all come together in this one place and be like, look, I don't like this any more than you do. And this guy's kind of stepping on, you know, our territory. And if we don't work together, there's going to be absolutely nothing left for anyone to rule and for no- and nothing for anyone to save. Mm-hmm. So let's figure it out. And uh, to cap it off, I really like the message at the end, in particularly of the last last issue of New Avengers, when Black Swan was gone for mm-hmm. a while. We haven't seen her in several issues. And she comes back and her words, like she's so cryptic. She's just as powerful as she was at the beginning of the story, at the end of the story, after spending all this time just kind of watching the events unfold and everybody's feeling like they won and they're, you know, oh, you know, Thanos is encased in champagne jello and, (laughs) you know, it's all good and blah, blah, blah. And she just goes, yeah, she laughs her ass off. Yeah. She's, you know, with a big ha ha ha. You've got to be kidding me. You thought this was bad? Mm-hmm. What about the black priests? What about this? What about that? You guys are fucked. Mm-hmm. Like, th- you're gonna... There's so much more coming. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea that it was it was a, begin- a beginning and an end and then a beginning at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it it's an event that introduced a whole next generation of situations for the entire Marvel Universe to deal with. And in that way, I do feel like it's shaped a lot, mm-hmm. you know, for what's to come. Yeah. I mean, the the thing about that ending to me of the new Avengers, which is the, the epilogue kind of, of this event is that 
uh, I feel like what she's saying to the new Avengers is what Hickman is kind of saying to us in general. Whereas like, you know, events are often culminations uh, of stories or, uh, you know, multi-year arcs. And this, I think to, for Hickman and to, to us is, this is this is just the beginning. Like this is scratching mm-hmm. the surface. Like you don't like you don't even understand. You know, I have like a crazy five year plan, and you've barely even seen. This is this is the prologue. You know, this this six issue. Yeah. You know, tw- ten part event or whatever it is, fifteen part event is a prologue to a prologue of what I'm gonna what I'm gonna give you. I have so much stuff. You know, we t- you know we, the the annihilation wave. You know the the beginning of the end times, and then the stuff with the the scrolls and how um, you know they couldn't help but was to come. And obviously, we're gonna get a war with the scrolls. We're gonna get a war with the an- annihilation wave. And uh, the, what she's saying to the new Avengers about all these up here, we don't even know who they are. You know these these forerunners, these these all powerful beings that you know we thought what we saw was the was the big stuff, and it's not. It's 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 a speck on the on the cosmic. Mm. scale of things uh so i mean i like that but to it, that i'm of two minds about that because i did just invest a lot of time and money into this which is good don't we? it's good but i i think we wrap around to the beginning when we first talked about the first issue and one of the things i liked about it is also the thing that Sully detracts it from me which is like this does feel like this could have been done in avengers and new avengers over yes. a, over a couple of months and, and not make it this all-encompassing thing and that's how comics go and it helps sell sell issues and and that's great but uh and they want you to know these things they want more people to buy this and just buy its avengers new avengers because they want it to be a universe spanning thing but if it's going to be a prologue i don't want to feel like it's a prologue at the at the end well one thing to their credit they did restrict this they did to the three books that he writes absolutely they did we had fill-ins and Mm -hmm. tie-ins but they were just that they didn't really the the assemble issues, the Captain Marvel mm. issues helped things, but they were not necessary. Right. Yeah, you know, they reiterate a lot of the same mm-hmm. information. Mm-hmm. It was stunning for me that it wasn't an Avengers story. We as we talked mm-hmm. about early on, but was I'm very happy about as Steve mentioned all the heroism here, the camaraderie. After so many events on the Marvel side, particularly of nothing but heroes beating each other senseless, mm-hmm. to see them band together. 50 Avengers, 100 Avengers, whatever it is. Yeah. No, that was Some of whom were killing each other three years ago. Yeah. It's just really nice to see. It's very old fashioned in that way. And I loved all of the the empires. Like, I think that the, especially the the Shi'ar. Mm hmm. um, Yeah. Is my favorite, my favorite, I think, sect in the entire book, in this entire entire event. Um, I loved that we didn't lose, you know, Cannonball and Sunspot and Manifold and. All of these these characters, they didn't they didn't go into the background because the, the big the big guns stepped up. Uh, I, I think at the end, I, and look, I read the I read I think Infinity number five, all the all the middle issues through six to the the the, the epilogue in one go. So did I. And yeah. when um, when uh, what's the uh, with Starbrand mm-hmm. and Nightmask show back up, yeah. Yeah. I was like, where the hell were you guys? <laughs> I know they were like that prison, and then there was something else, and they were waiting for something. But th- that kind of stuff is stuff that I think gets lost a little bit because even me reading it that straight through that block, I was like, "All right, where were they? What were they doing?" Right. You know. Uh, and I-, I think the stuff, like I said before, we're talking about stuff on the, like the sword base when they're trying to t- dis- dis- uh, d- 
disassemble it, dismantle it. You know, that ran into Guardians of the Galaxy, but they didn't, they sort of touched on that, but not really. And it was, that stuff I think was a little bit circumspect at the end. Like that ending stuff was the stuff that I I think kind of let me down uh, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I loved all the battle stuff, like I said before. And I, I think that, Look, they 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 crashed the Inhuman City. We have a, a new status quo as far as these kind of new characters popping up, and we have uh, a, what seems like it'd be a cool new villain in, in Thane, and see what happens. And yeah. obviously, we have the ticking time bomb of what the hell's going to happen with right. Thanos because something's going to happen. He's not going to stay encased in that. No, Jim Starlin froze him into stone years yeah. ago, and it didn't stop him. So, <laughs> and that's the same pose he was in. Yeah, you must like that a lot. Yeah. Um. So uh, who knows what's going to happen there? And I like that. New Avengers and Avengers almost intersected. Mm-hmm. Like it was like that, like, oh shit, mom came home early. Like we got to hide our stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and Tony's like, yeah, don't know. It's fine. There was this thing that we had to stop, but it's fine. You know, that, that whole thing. We got it covered. Yeah, we got it covered. I, I liked that about it. Um, something else I loved about it. I loved the, I mean, it was daunting. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. When you, when you open up that first page and you see like, well, who's going to be in this one? Yeah. But the sheer amount of characters that I was introduced to by way of this story and all the the new characters as well, not just characters that I've been curious about since, you know, starting to really get into comics and like, who's the supper more and what is his place in the universe and blah, blah, blah. And just it was really, really cool to have them all be in the same place and uh, the exposure alone. Of, of just so much of the Marvel universe by way of this event was really, really cool because maybe we didn't get so much time with characters, but from now on when they show up in the past, like, Oh, right. This was the guy in infinity that blah, blah, mm. blah. And then you had, um, what was their names? The, the yellow dudes with the, the horns and the stuff. Oh, <laughs> oh, like the, 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 X Neela, X Neela, and X Neela. Yeah, the yeah. they were yeah. really cool. I mean, we got Black Swan out of this. We got um, his sister, which which we were wrong about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that's a surprise. That's the thing. I, it surprised me at certain times, and it wasn't filled with death. I mean, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of, of yes, yeah. a lot of a lot of people bit the dust. I'm, but I'm yeah. saying like. It wasn't it what it doesn't exist just to kill off certain characters. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it felt like if there was a character death that it was a natural part of the story. Mm-hmm. It was something that had to happen. Mm-hmm. It wasn't gratuitous. Um and some of some of the deaths especially in the final issues were really really cool. Yeah, you yeah, the villain death, you mean? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Thor throwing his hammer through someone's chest. Oh, so yeah. so yeah. that Th- that around was, the sun or yeah, yeah. yeah that was sick. And there were some really great character moments and I I mentioned it earlier but I really really loved uh Captain Marvel's involvement towards the later end of the story. She was always right next to Captain Marvel and uh, Captain America. They were constantly conferring with one another. Mm-hmm. And in this time that we're in, in this movement of Captain Marvel becoming more of an iconic character and how I had said in another podcast that she's my cap or something like Mm -hmm. that, to see them side by side and her opinions and her strategies and all of her stuff being accounted for and her being such a standing toe to toe with one of their most iconic characters, it just... it feels like a natural progression to make her a bigger character in Marvel and that she's going to stick mm-hmm. around for a while. It just, it cements it for me. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah. What's crazy about this is right. That it's, this is the hopeful 
one. This is the hopeful event. Yeah. Because there's because I I think for me and this is just failure of perception when you read the Avengers number one and it you know first there was life and then there was death and one brought ruin and whatever like that. You in my mind I thought that's where this is where this is going. This is where Infinity is going to to come to is the you know Cap Iron Man. One of them is 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 going to be the savior. One of them is going to be destruction. But that's really just. Who knows when that's going to pay off? Yeah. You know that that's far down the line at, the, the, at that point. So this is the hopeful. This is the they thought they could. You know they for a moment the the universe was a shining beacon, and now all the crap is going to come raining down on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll have to see. I mean, overall, I mean, look of the events that we have covered since we started doing this. It's uh, I think it's absolutely the best. Yeah. Um, and a universe spanning you know mm-hmm. event stuff. Dared the most, did the most. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I found the other ones, I found things that I've liked in them, but it was mostly a lot of, you know, it would have been really good if, you know, yeah. and this is more, it's really good, except I have these few problems with it and you're gonna have that with any story. So I think that it's a success, you know, of an event. And mm-hmm. if this is a, you know, a herald of what the Hickman led, you know, master universe is going to be then I think that we're in pretty good hands if this is what we get for the next Mm -hmm. five years of this stuff. Oh, yes, please, (laughs) please. Uh, All right, so anybody else, anything they want to say about uh, Infinity before we we close this out? Nope. All right, so that's going to be it for this uh, marathon. Thank you guys for staying tuned after the credits for our little (laughs) little post-credits sequence here. Um, Let us know what you thought of Infinity. Um, Email us, podcast at talkcombooks.com. All right, guys, have a great week.